Um, uh, greetings, oldsters, younglings, and Weisenheimers. I hope you're ready to spout the gab with us today. I am Harrison H. Smith, and with me is Nicky Flamingues. Uh, hello. <laughs> and of course, we've got uh, Daddy Hassafras here too. Mm, good day. This is a podcast all about tabletop RPGs, and within this feculent audio box, you will find a trove of esoteric segments such as feedback. We got news punch. We got what you've been slaying. We got the main subject, which is going to be the best post-apocalyptic setting ever made. <laughs> and then we're going to do your electro letters and. The, tr- the trouble is, I'm quite tired today, listeners, so if this is low energy, you know, just kick back, <laughs> smoke a doobie. Get a cup of tea. And just relax, because this, this is not going to be the usual high octane. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But yeah, before we get on with the show and go on to feedback, I just wanted to um, just tell you about a dream I had last night. I know that's quite boring to talk about dreams. <laughs> But a dream last night that J.K. Rowling was doing an AMA on Reddit, <laughs> yeah. um, answering her like top questions she's ever been answered, and one of them was, "When's the next Mork Borg actual play coming out?" <laughs> Is that what she asked? Yeah. <laughs> so what the hell does that mean about me? She's <laughs> <laughs> got a good question. <laughs> that means that Harry Potter <laughs> is, in, is on your case, <laughs> or J.K. He's going to be. Um, He's going to be in the next uh, Borg episode. <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry, <laughs> Gary Rotter. <laughs> Gary Rotter. <laughs> yes. You're a zombie, Harry. I'm a what? <laughs> You're a zombie, you weep. Oh, that's deep. Anyway, uh, let's do some feedback, shall we? Mm-hmm. The feedback side. The feedback side. Yes, bitch. The feedback side. It's the feedback section. So, uh, yeah, last episode, right, we uh, obviously, for some reason, during the section about news, Nick decided to tell us that his brother-in-law has just got the D&D beginner box, (laughs) Um, and that was the biggest news of the week, because we got a lot of feedback about that. Phileas Foss, he says, I'm well chuffed for Anthony. Woo. Ace B, he says, just listening to this show now, you should get Anthony on the show. RPG, deflower him on air. Oh, lovely. And of course... To commemorate this event, I did make a meme of it, but Nick was like, yeah, let's make a meme out of him. Then I did. And then Nick was like, no, I don't think he'd want to be memed, because I put a picture of him <laughs> I on our... I think you meant literally. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I meant literally. Uh, it was just a picture of Anthony holding that D&D box set, and it just said, when you realise that you're Anthony. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> oh, bless him. <laughs> yeah, people loving Anthony, but probably the guy with the best name in the world is Reginald Tickle. Oh, yes. And uh, he, com- <laughs> he comes in, um, he says, I think modern role-playing has created this idea idea that the GM is writing a story and not the players, which I think is wrong and leads to GMs cheating to get the result they want, which is railroading. Mm. Trust is the single most important thing in RPGs when the players and DM trust each other, rulings come and go easy and players don't feel frustrated. I think he makes a good point. Um, does make a good point. You, talked, you said last time, Nick, about the fact that if the GM's sort of fudging and then suddenly not fudging, the players are going to notice. Yes. And I think that is where he's coming from here, because if you, if you do that, how are you going to trust the GM isn't going to cheat in just about every situation he wants? Well, that's it. Yeah, and you never know whether you're getting away with... like You know, as a player, if you get into a point like that, you don't know whether you're like being a really good role player and doing really good teamwork with your party, or whether you're just, be, you know, you're just getting 
you know, it's just basically getting looked after by the GM. So, yeah, yeah, and definitely. You know, that's why I'm enjoying at the moment uh, with Savage Worlds because with games like D and D, as much as I like them, it's like you can't really ever fully trust it because the GM keeps the target number secret. Yes, and more often than not, right? Mm-hmm. And in Savage Worlds, you know what it is, and yeah, you yeah. just have to try and beat it. And as a result, it's like, well, there's no way for for me to cheat. So yeah. that trust is sort of that's implicitly a, there. A, yeah, yeah, that's very true. Well, we, I mean, there's there's trust anyway in our group. Oh, yeah, well, that's what you think. If you're managing to put a there, plot in the background, there's a gun cellar taped under James's gaming table, oh. just in case. I knew it. Just Fucking knew case. it. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. All right, well, that is it for feedback. Let's go into the news. Oh, yeah, news punch. Steve Jackson plays D&D with Ben Elton. And those those are words I never thought I would say. No, but what? This isn't, this isn't exactly news. This is more of the, uh, with the olds. Okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, basically uh, a segment of a TV show from 1984 has just surfaced coming onto YouTube. Somebody ripped it from a VHS. Oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's uh, basically this program's purpose was to shine a light on the crazy new fangled game of Dungeons and Dragons. And the show's filmed inside a games workshop store and presented by Ben Elton of Blackadder fame. And the reason it's inside games workshop is because back then um, they distributed D&D in the UK. But what's interesting is that Ben Elton interviews Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston about D&D, asking them to explain what it is, and then he plays a game with them. Brilliant. And it is the most awkward, annoying game I have ever watched. Just give this a listen. Okay, so it's up to you to tell me what you're doing. There's a door at the end. Yeah, so we've got to decide what we want to do. You see, we're playing roles. We've got to decide. You've got to imagine yourself in the shows of your character. Well, if you want, you can go through the door because it looks pretty boring up this corridor. Yeah. So I'm going to be an old female dwarf, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. we'll be so, right behind. Well, you. I think yeah. we'll be backing you up. So I'm going to be an old female dwarf. It's so annoying because every time Ben Elton starts the role play, they're just talking over <laughs> And they're like, don't worry, don't worry, we'll have your back. And it's like, he's trying to say what he wants to do. Just shut up. Shut up. Shut up. You think they're so desperate to... Uh... <laughs> yeah. it, it really doesn't... It, and, and the GM, right, whoever the fuck he is, he's not, yeah, I, don't, I don't know who it is, but as he starts GMing, and there's like a point where Ben Elton's like, well, I thought you said I could detect traps. And the GM's like, well, I mean, <laughs> it's an ability you need to use. And he's like really cocky about it. Like, you should already know what's going <laughs> yeah. on, despite never having heard of this type of game before. Yeah. Fucking idiot. That's so <laughs> yeah. stupid. What I did find funny is, I, I really like Ben Elton, obviously. Yeah, he's done some good shit. But the funny thing is, is it, how much he fits in at that table in terms of looks. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's never occurred to me before, but he looks like one of them, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he's, he's just such an awkward, like, nerd with glasses on. But anyway, it's not really news because it came out in 1984, <laughs> but I think it's a clip really worth watching because it's quite funny and it's kind of cool to see the perspective back then. I mean, one of my favourite parts is that um, Ben Elton's picking up different RPGs from the shelf and he's like for example you could play RuneQuest where you uh, do delve into dungeons in, in the realm called Gloriantha or you could play Dungeons and Dragons where you pretty much do exactly the same thing and, and, and I just found that kind of funny because he must it was be like, pretty young then if it's 84 Ben Elton must be pretty young then yeah, uh, I think he looks about mid twenty, something like that. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I looked him up. But that to is see it for his news. Face. He's sixty odd at the minute. So 
Is he really? Yeah. Bloody yeah. Yeah, he is, he's well, he just writes books now, doesn't he? And some of them are actually quite good. I think they people are. are quite quite snobby about them, but I like them. No, he's good. He wrote some good TV shows as well. You know, the only other bit of news this week, and I found it. I, it's not really worth doing it. I thought it'd be funny if we did a whole episode on it, but um, <laughs> it's uh, that there was a new type of D10 discovered. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah but tell me about so, it. Tell us. Um, yeah, so Please. you know, we, we spoke about in our Dice episode before, it was the mm. um, that Japanese sort of mathematical institute that um, basically made the first D20. It was numbered 1 to 10. Well, they made a D10, and it was a t- it was a different shape to the oh, others. Okay. All right, 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 should we get on with what we've been playing? <laughs> oh, <fuck's sake. laughs> what shape is it though? Uh, well, it's just a ten-sided shape. I don't know. It's like <laughs> it's very difficult to describe. To tell you the truth, James, <laughs> <laughs> that's the trouble. That's why. That's why this is this is pretty crap news altogether. Anyway. Okay. I can't describe what this new D10 looks like, but it doesn't look but like. Believe a D10. me, it's f- it's fucking great. <laughs> Okay. One of the best D10s I've ever seen. I just googled <laughs> new D10, see what comes up. It didn't. Uh, it didn't yeah, work. Probably. I've done it. It didn't work. <laughs> I just got bulldozers. I just got pictures of bulldozers. Yeah, I told you it was a weird shape. <laughs> just fucking roll a massive bulldozer. Oh, <laughs> lovely. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah? Stick it up your fucking dick hole! My fucking what? Hagrid, you're pushing me over the fucking line! Yes. Awesome, what we've been saying. So, yeah, um, we've been carrying on with our uh, Tough Guys weekly campaign, British Gangster setting. Um, I think at this at this point, uh, everything's gotten way, way, way too heavy for the guys. So they've gone on holiday to outrun <laughs> some uh, some heat, and they're waiting for it to die down. And it, the, the basically the main reason is is this, right? So Albanians had come into town and had started waving their dick around. So the Albanian mafia, just not just regular guys, but and uh, <laughs> they've been trying to assert their dominance over the London criminal underworld, right? And um, it all came to a head when one of the one of the characters in the party, this guy called Mo Exotic, he's a um, a football hooligan, and his favourite team is Millwall. And the team are watching a TV in the pub one day, and they see the leader of the Albanians, this guy called Fanny. Um, they see him like Don't on off. sports TV, and he's like, he's kind of like, well, I've just bought this team, Millwall, and uh, I'm hoping to do good things with it. And at that point, Mo Exotic, he's just enraged. He's like, I'm gonna fucking kill him. So, um, yeah, we ended up doing our first mass battle. A bunch of football hooligans and Millwall supporters versus... Uh, so, 60 of them versus yep. 100 Albanians. And, of course, you had all the generals, which was the uh, with the player characters. And, uh, yeah, when uh, when easily nobody died, everything was fine. Right, guys? Yeah, of course, <laughs> okay. yeah. Mass battle, you know, they're not brutal yeah, easy, at all. Easy peasy. Easy you know. peasy, lemon squeezy. Oh, my God, mass battles. Fuck me. Yeah, mass battles in Savage Worlds are kind of crazy. So, how it works is that... Each round of fighting takes two hours, and even if you do well, it's likely that you're going to come out somewhat injured, right? Yes. So you have all the guys making their help rolls, which at the end get added to the general's battle roll. So in this case, it was Nick. So he's kind of commanding all the troops. Most of the battle, he was up a pole commanding them, <laughs> telling them what to do. Um, yeah. But yeah, so so everyone's helping, and then you know, if you succeed, you can still take damage. If you uh, get a raise, which is basically this game's equivalent of a uh, um, of a crit. 
then you won't take damage. But crit fails and things like this mean you get a shitload of damage, mm. basically. Yeah, and it was such a hard fight. I think it went on for about five rounds. So it'd be ten yeah. hours of solid yep. fighting. Yeah, it was um, savage. It, it was, was intense. Precisely it was. It was freaking awesome. And I forget how much fun and how terrifying the mass battle rules are. Because <laughs> yeah, we haven't really, um, we've we haven't done them um, as as much as you know, just regular battles and that. We we did forget mm. how brutal they were. Oh, mate. Well, there's lots of little modifiers. So, like, um, basically, after every round that a side has lost troops, they they need to check for a morale to see if they yes, they sir. will do an orderly retreat or get captured or whatever. And those can be modified by if you set up a plan beforehand, if you're in a fortified structure. And I did mention several times that you had your sandwich van nearby for that very reason. Yeah. But getting 60 fucking hooligans in there would have been a bit of a trifle, I think. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was kind of crazy. So we had the, yeah, the leader of the Albanian was going mental with a flamethrower while his right-hand man was snapping people's heads off. We had the football hooligan throwing water coolers and chairs. We had James's character going around stealing people's wallets to um, create dissent among the Albanian troops <laughs> yeah. and we had another guy going ham with two desert eagles and <laughs> he was he was shooting the light fixtures off of the yep. stadium as the fight was like pouring out into the seats in the Millwall stadium it was pretty fucking crazy but James's character one of his best characters ever Sidney mm. McQuembe he is now he died no in more. the fight yeah. Yeah. so yeah. terrible he got pummeled to a sad. pulp He's absolutely destroyed. It's oh. because it's because um, Sydney uh, got incapacitated, then had to roll his death roll, um, or yeah, whatever you call it, and incapacitation roll. That's it. And he, um, yeah, he just he rolled a crit fail and died. Mm. And it was funny because at some point we, he just went quiet, and we all thought on the Discord thingy that he was quiet because he'd done so well and everyone yeah. was like, oh, yes, <laughs> yes, he's made it. You'd wait yeah. for it. Eighty-seven. I logged out, didn't I? <laughs> He just heard that. Oh yeah, that's heard it. That, yeah. And then everyone, everyone yeah. started laughing. And then I came back <laughs> yeah. on. So and like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot of people aren't gonna. Well, they probably you may know from previous episodes this kind of storied history of Sydney that he's been trying to get with this girl for in the game for um, fifteen, Eight. sixteen sessions now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it ended up with her running off to marry somebody else. But I sort of saw as Sydney died. Um, it was around the same time that the wedding with someone else was happening. And, uh, yeah, so uh, story-wise, Sydney died. And just after he died, the girl Tiffany came back, having regretted her choice and wanted yeah. to actually get with Sydney, only to find he was dead, uh, picked up his AK and started firing on the Albanians. So she yes. is now part of the team. She's <laughs> oh, the yeah. femme fatale of the group. Yes. Yep. Um, Tiffany Butcher Baker from EastEnders. <laughs> <laughs> who James and I think is quite fit but if my wife is listening that's a joke <laughs> well if you i was trying to look up photos of her because he uses a as a character uh, avatar and then harrison mentioned that she was and then i was like oh god yeah she actually is and the funny thing is about that though when you were looking up pictures was that um i described because she's quite i don't know if it's offensive to say chav but she is anaphantia so that if anything i'm not racist so she um <laughs> She was wearing in EastEnders a wedding dress and trainers, and I and I said 
um, that she was wearing a wedding dress and, and uh, Dr. Martin boots, no, yeah. Timberland boots. And yeah. it was so funny how appropriate the fucking picture was. And I photoshopped a gun into it, of course, yeah, and put it on our group. What made me um, laugh was when, um, obviously, that's... So we've been using Discord to play, and obviously James has changed his like profile picture to a picture of her. Um, mm. And I forget that that picture stays for like all Discord servers. So on Savage, <laughs> on Savage Net, <laughs> there was like an organizer announcement. I'm like, who the fuck's that? And then I was like, oh right, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, really funny. I changed my face because of that. I'm sure you you saw. I changed my avatar. <laughs> Made me laugh. Oh, I'm so that's pretty since. funny. That popped up. I didn't realise that either. Um, so oh, so you have yet yeah. one photo for all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, anyway, after that, um, essentially, long story short, is that they've, they've caused so much trouble uh, in London over the last few sessions that they decided it was time for a holiday. So they took their stolen Kenyan Airlines jet and flew yep. to... Uh, Flew to Amsterdam for a, for a holiday, and because they, you know, flew privately, they've got all their all their weaponry with them. <laughs> and um, we just did a dramatic task. Oh, and don't, for... and don't, for, don't forget the animal. Oh God, yeah, yeah, we can't forget that. I just said it to the party. I'm like, if there's anything anyone else wants to do before we go to prepare <coughs> for the Amsterdam trip, then go ahead. So everyone was doing, you know, different stuff. One guy went to buy a gun, etc., etc. Um, but yeah, Mo Exotic, the reason he's got that name, despite being a football hooligan, is because he took the Beastmaster Edge to have a pet, right? Yeah. And it's quite funny because we kind of got a bit of a system going. The last, his first pet was a wolf and the wolf died. <laughs> his second pet was a koala because he was robbing from the zoo in the dark. So I just rolled randomly for, um, and funny enough, then he was like, oh no, I can't go back to London Zoo, it's too hot. So he, he went outside of London on the bus to Chessington Zoo. That's it. Um, <laughs> climbed over the fence and uh, I was like it's really dark in there and he tried to use his phone right and phones in the 90s did not have a lot of light so I said alright <laughs> no. give, me, give me a notice roll let's see if you can pick out an animal and he's like I don't know and he suddenly he's, he's wormed his way into this cage not knowing quite what's in there and wrapped his chain around something's neck and as soon as he gets out into the car park where all the street lamps are it's a hippo so oh, he's yeah. got a, he's currently got a pet hippo which is the most powerful animal he's had yet but hasn't managed to do anything of any use. So, I mean... Apart from having a, a fantastic name. Tony... Casarino. Cas- <laughs> yeah, so all of them are named after Millwall players. So the um, the koala was called Tim Cahill, and this one's called <laughs> Tony Casarino. <laughs> Tony the hippo. He did do one good thing, but we'll get onto that once we get to the boat bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Fucking, and um, so it was pretty funny because, yeah, on the way home on the bus, he's sitting there with a hippo, like a smelly old wet hippo sitting next to him. And it's it's like middle of the night and there's some old old guy from London and he looks over at him and uh, Mo Exotic rolls intimidation and goes, you ain't never seen a fucking hippo before? Fuck off. <laughs> it's like for the rest of the bus, everyone, <laughs> bus trip, everyone's taking a wide berth from him. <laughs> So yeah, good. so um, long story short, they escaped to Amsterdam with the hippo, all their guns, and had a fucking great time. And um, they also in uh, what did they do? Uh, encouraged violently the Albanians to join their gang. So they've got like forty gang members now. So we're using the henchman rule from Saga of the Goblin Horde. Oh yes, which is fun as shit. But yeah, so in Amsterdam, we did a sort of dramatic task for them to have a great fucking night out. Success means you had a good fucking time, and failure meant you were spending the rest of your the next day fucking sick as a dog, right? And but they the only they didn't just go to Amsterdam just to get high. They also went there to go and find a shipment of prostitutes to bring home. <laughs> and at one point, they <laughs> realised that they didn't have any accommodation. So what happens is is that Mo Exotic jumps in the river. His himo, his himo, his yeah, hippo, himo, swimming. him and his himo, yeah. 
him and his himo, they're swimming and he's on the back of it and he's just sidling up against this barge where a recently married couple are having a nice moment and suddenly, you know, all of them just will jump on board at the same time, push them <laughs> off and the, the captain is like the most typical captain character that there possibly could be and he's like, you push me customers into the water and um, yeah, then they just give him 100 quid and he's like, what customers? And so yep. they've got a barge for the... Uh, for the rest of the trip and oh, yes. they've met this kind of madam and I'll, I'll wrap this up pretty quickly now but essentially they met this madam uh, who was a madam at a brothel they met her boss who was a pimp and he turned out to be an absolute scumbag and was coming on to James as a new character Tiffany um, but the thing is is that he had this sort of underground uh, animal fighting ring as well so uh, they fought him as he let out a bear and alligator and an alligator. So that was that was the fight. And they, they did pretty well, actually. But the hippo um, fucked it and got his head stuck in the reception desk. So, um, <laughs> But now, because that guy was an arsehole and they've saved them and promised the women better conditions, they've got about 30 to 40 prostitutes that they're going to uh, put in their brothel back in the UK. So that's pretty fucking good. That's a yeah. success. That's a success. That's a, success. that's a criminal success. I tried to make that pimp as disgusting as I possibly oh, could. Oh, you did a good so job you, there, You mate. really hate him, yeah. Because <laughs> basically, he was, he was asking to see all of the team, right, up in his office. But just when Tiffany's about to go and he puts his hand sort of across the stairway and he's, he's like, his hot breath in her face and he's like, you can make a lot of money in my business, Goyle. Yeah. How much for the Goyle? Yeah, she, obviously, yep. she reacted really well to that. <laughs> well, she stormed out, but Mo well. Exotic yeah. came to your rescue. The football yeah. hooligan, like, fucking uh-huh. headbutted him. It all yeah. kicked off, mate. It was really good. It was really good. And it's, sometimes, you know what? It's just fun to kill a, a villain that really deserves it. Do you know what yes. I mean? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was, yeah, well-deserved. So it was uh, no more Golden Axe. Yes, that was his nickname because he used medieval weaponry. Um, <laughs> yeah. Don't know why. But Nick, so so, how are you enjoying where the business has got to at this point? Do you feel like it's starting to take shape? Oh, mate, brilliant! Yeah, we've got some. We've got we've got different different kind of endeavours now, haven't we? We've got like a a, a, a drug dealing business uh, under the counter of the fish and chip shop. We kind of looked at Moody Clothing, but that never really got off the ground properly. Well, you guys, it, you guys own or uh, like some, some product that belongs to yeah. G- to Jimmy the Shoe and some market stores, but you haven't That's really it. done anything with it. Yet, no. but you've still. You, but it's there in case you need it, I suppose. We, we got, the, we got the limos. Yeah, the limos, and you had the brothel done up, and now I've got. Got all those women. Yeah, yes, I think we're we're, we're enterprising. It's good. It's yeah, good. I, it is. I'm liking where we're getting to. Um, I'm I'm kind of like at this point, I'm playing it probably the most dickish way I possibly can. But <laughs> it adds a bit of a bit of tension because what I usually do is if somebody starts with a new character, I'll start them like a, a couple of levels back, right? But in this, uh, I'm just having it so everyone starts from scratch. Because so we've got characters of all sort of different ability levels at this moment but James's new character is just straight straight novice novice. but no it creates a really good dynamic and it also allows um you know the the seasoned of the crew to actually you know they are better equipped in stats and stuff so they are going to naturally look after the novices makes sense doesn't it yeah totally totally and i feel like they've welcomed tiffany with open arms you know and they've really have defended her but you've also been a lot better because his james's last character famously used a gun and used it often but couldn't hit anything (laughs) and uh, i think the the very last level up he took was to buy d4 and shooting but in this (laughs) character was with um tiffany's he's gone up to a d8 yeah. She's good already. She's, she's, yeah, she's a natural uh, talent. Yeah, dark horse in that regard. Yeah. 
Yeah. She plays a lot of Time Crisis. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's 1995. Yeah, so that's tough, guys. Um, uh, in addition to that, uh, yeah, Savage Net, the online version of SavageCon, is coming up soon. We have slightly less games than we usually would. And I spoke to one of our listeners last night, Ace B, and he, he said that an event that he's doing, which I'll plug at the end of the show... Is having a similar sort of... It's not an issue, really, but it's just, he said, you know, people are just fed up of online gaming. So I do get it, oh, but we've got yeah. about um, six or seven games going on on uh, 29th of this month. Mm-hmm. And that some of them look fucking... Well, all of them look fucking great. We've got uh, Savage Golden Axe is happening. Oh, yeah. We've got some Deadlands run by Owen Lean. Nick, you're doing Whacked in the Wicket. Um, yep. Secret Files of Section and- D... Yeah, yep. Secret Files of Section D, which is a up and coming Savage World setting that is really fucking good because awesome. we played yep. in one of the playtests of it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, so yeah, great fucking games we got going on here. Uh, Dan Owen's running one as well, who is a skull on a stick. So and nice. get, yeah, if you can get into Dan's game, do because he's 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 a cracker. Um, just one last thing I wanted to plug real quick was uh, in the what we've been saying is that obviously um, I've been carrying on with my Resident Evil streams. Yes. Last night, one. Um, I, the only reason I wanted to bring it up is because with the uh, with the Resident Evil One stream, right? I've gotten to the point where, and I don't know if you've ever got this far in Resident Evil, but the the mansion suddenly gets populated by trolls. What? Like these big green troll men, and they are fucking annoying. If if you're on caution, any level of caution, they can one shot you. I died what? like five times. I haven't died oh. barely at all. And then what was funny is I was stuck on this puzzle where you have to push... There's these walls that crush you and you have to push this statue to a certain point, right? Yep. I was stuck on it for ages. And then suddenly somebody came into the chat called Raccoon City Police Department. Oh. And, <laughs> and I was just like... Um, I was like, uh-oh. The, Very good. The Raccoon City Police Very Department good. is here. And they're... Um, they're annoyed because I'm doing bad at this puzzle. And the guy was like, he, the guy, it wasn't even somebody, one of our fans. He was like, what? Um, I'm sorry, my English is no good. I, um, I, I uh, wait on YouTube to find people playing Resident Evil and help <laughs> oh, them beat him. all games. Oh, bless and then, him. So he helped me or finish her. the puzzle um, and with broken English as well. But it That's was amazing. Uh, it was really funny. And then as soon as he'd helped me do the puzzle, he was like, okay, I must go. Goodbye. But I asked him how, I was like, all right, how's things in Raccoon City? And he was like, infested. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> it was it was so weird, man. But yeah, really, it was a really, really, really disheartening stream. And I've got to, I got to the point where I think I was getting arrogant, to tell you the oh, truth. I thought I was oh, good man. at the game. Oh, yeah. And then I'm, I, I thought, do I do another safety save? No, fuck it. I just go to the other pl- other side of the bench without have. saving. And then got one shot oh, by a troll. You eat it. I know, I reckon so I lost the, about half an hour of progress. So I'm going to redo that before I start streaming the next one. I reckon the Raccoon City um, police um, user is Owen. Oh, yeah, it probably is, yeah. He's known for doing this type of thing. Fucking... <laughs> <laughs> There you go. All right. Well, let's... Uh, thanks, Owen. Let's <laughs> leave that there, and we will do the main subject, and we've got a fucking doozy for you this time, oh, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Oh, yeah, yeah. bruv. Yeah, bruv. Main. Subject. Magic. Main. Subject. Tokyo. Main. Subject. Subject. As we all know, right, Danny DeVito's acting career is mostly over nowadays, right? But 
And I know what you're thinking, so what's he doing now, right? Well, I'll tell you, because not only have I met him, but we're actually close personal friends. <laughs> you see, after DeVito's exit from Hollywood, he changed his name to Andy Hop, moved to Ohio, and uh, started making RPGs. It's, not, it's not something that not a lot of people know, right? Um... <laughs> So yeah, uh, but, but why the fuck am I bringing up Andy Hop? Well, it's because today we are going to be talking about what I consider to be the best post-apocalyptic game on the market right now. Oh yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for a bit of low life for Savage Worlds, yes. draped from the muck by Andy Hop. Now, before we begin, I should mention that I do know Andy and we do speak from time to time. I will, however, be completely honest with my review and I'm not biased at all, although Andy did very kindly make me guest of honour at his convention one, one year and give James and I an award. So, yeah. you know, didn't get basically is going to get a 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not, yeah. I'm not biased. Um, but as I said, yeah, it, it, I, I just I should probably say right that comparing Andy Hop to Danny DeVito, they do look very similar. They, they but I know he won't twins. be offended by that. No, no, he's, yeah, he, they, he gets it all the time. Yeah, and he, he actually he said it. We watched the opening ceremony of uh, Corn and the Cob once one year, and he's just like, now I know what you're thinking. What the fuck is Danny DeVito doing up on this stage? Um, <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, so as I said, Low Life is a post-apocalyptic setting. It is actually written by one of the in-universe characters, a gadabout croach called Tucandor Flamingues. So it's presented as a kind of like travel guide of the weird world this place takes in, which means that this book is actually an in-game item also. So any players who own it are, f- are freely allowed to refer to it at the table if they want to. Look up monster stats, look up a place to see what it's like. You're more than welcome to do that. Nice. Which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. But what the fuck is a croach? And what's a gad about? And uh, to to get to we'll get to that. But for now, I'm just going to read a bit of the first passage of the book. Of the book. All right. Of the book. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Because book. it's uh, I'm going to read I'm going to read a book of a passage of a book. So um, here we go. A peep meandering through Flume's place of pondering would be fortunate to encounter a certain fossil of Flume. This croach has goggled the gaze and crusty stench of one best avoided, a dreg of society. He's not that, though. In fact, he carries in his feculent noggin a trove of esoteric wisdoms, random tidbits, and paraphernalia of the bygone. He's one of Flume's most respected oldsters, and a peep who could do worse than he'd fossiled spoutings. This guy knows about back in the day. He waxes eloquently about the time of the flush, and so on and so on. You get the point. But this, so it's like the, the book is written in this weird kind of way, right? Love it. And I, I promise you, I'm mm. going to elucidate some of this. We'll try to understand what's going on. But the book is basically like full of all these really bizarre malapropisms and, and mangulations of words with, with like strange jumble of dialects. And it, it's really amusing and strangely familiar but unflinch unflinchingly silly mm. but i've got to be honest i've mentioned this before but um, at first it makes it really really hard to read but as you get the language and you know know what certain things mean you kind of um you you, you get it and you yeah. it doesn't because like the language in it isn't just random it's like there's a lot of sense to the nonsense it's like there's structure and common words that get used often like peep for person or gab for talking yeah. or rumours or waggling the zazz for casting a spell it's like the book but, of um, Dave it's got its own dialect and you just got to kind of understand it after a while exactly yeah yeah um, it, and, and you know like I do really really like the way it's written it's got this commitment to a certain level of like type of dialogue that it never ever stops and and it's like 
Imagine writing an entire book like that. It must be exhausting. Yeah, oh, he's a, yeah. Andy Hopp's a fucking genius, though, with um, that is how true. he's done... That's not hard for him. Like how he's translated things to, to fit. And all. It, is, it is very, very cool. And it's sort of like... I guess it's because it's so many years after our world, it's kind of like... That's why all the jumbled dialects happen and people are using all sorts of different language. Yep, exactly. But yeah, as I mentioned, it's set in the future, right? And in the book's... Uh, what it actually says is it's set in a gazillion years in the future um, and that's actually what it says in the book and basically every type of apocalypse has flushed the earth clean hence the big flush in the intro there giving way to new mutated bizarre life forms like sentient twinkies or spindly insect people called croaches so the bloke that wrote the book in universe Tucandor Flamingues he's, he's a croach yeah and these are insect people and this basically this big apocalyptic event called the flush um, that's what it became known as. That's what it became known as in in universe. Now, many of the game's factions actually disagree on how the world ended, but there is evidence littered throughout the setting that it was likely nuclear war. One example of this is Glowio, which is an irradiated desert where everything glows, and of course, the Oith's butthole on Keister <laughs> Island, where a huge. <laughs> Basically, this is where a huge crater is believed to be the world's bumhole, essentially. But it was likely the site of a nuclear attack a gazillion years ago. In any case, the human race, known as the Humanracians, are gone. And what's replaced them are living Twinkies, sentient piles of trash, and smelths. Now, what makes this interesting, though, is that Tucandor Flamingues, the book's in-universe author, refers to Oith as a festering paradise. And that's because the creatures you play are built to actually withstand the irradiated planet and as such have a pretty comfortable life. I mean, this isn't a game specifically about survival, at least no more than any other RPG, because Oith has basically re- rebuilt itself. And by the way, I say Oith because it's it, that's how it's pronounced in the book. Yeah. Instead of Earth, it's Oith. Yeah, Oith. Yeah, so it's basically, it's, Oith has rebuilt itself, and there are human racian ruins and stuff that get plundered by gadabouts and treasure, treasure hunters. But huge cities exist, theatres, clubs, bars, museums. So it's not post-apocalyptic, it's post-post-apocalyptic. No, no. Post, yeah, exactly. Post-post-Malone. but yeah it's not necessarily about scarcity it's more about interesting funny and and gross setting where you play weird shit join weird factions do weird quests and to give an example one of the adventures in the book is about the player characters playing gangsters who work for a huge worm riding twinkie with no arms and he wants you to break into a museum and steal the main exhibit a pair of arms made from cheese yes (laughs) yes please so, yeah, and at the end of the adventure, if you do get them, he just puts them on his body and they just work normally like normal arms for some reason. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's that's pretty banging. Cool. I mean, in a nutshell, that's basically the setting. We're going to get into character options next, but before that, there's a pretty cool part of the book I, I want to bring up. And this, I, I don't know if it'll be boring, but I, I absolutely love this. So, there's a bunch of helpful things and little tidbits like what days of the week are now called, what national holidays exist on Oith. And also a bit of about the measurement system they use. And it's mm. funny because this part has a whole like bonkers fucking story about how they come up with the measurement system. Yep. And essentially what it was is that a bunch of the world's smartest Weisenheimers got together and couldn't agree on a measurement system and spent bloody ages arguing. And then finally they decided that they have an eating contest, which is called grub gobbling, um, to decide who gets to pick the measurement system. And in this world, by the way, competitive eating is the number one sport. Mm-hmm. 
But anyway, the food that was to be eaten at the event was called Sir Nuts, and these things taste like sewage, and one nut will fill you up as if you'd had three square meals. Oh, wow. So anyway, by the end of the competition, the arena and all the contestants are covered in sick. And, <laughs> but, uh, and as the book puts it, a winner did emerge, literally, like from the vomit. <laughs> yeah. And he, he ate 679 nuts. Wow. And uh, this... Yeah, and this guy's yep. name uh, was 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 Yort, right? Mm. And as such, the sole unit of measurement on Oith is a Yort. Distance, time, weight, volume, everything is measured in Yorts. <laughs> so you get this you get this backstory, and basically, it's just to say um, this game doesn't really use any traditional me- measurement system, and it's all abstract for for gameplay reasons because it means that you don't have to worry about this stuff if i tell you a high number when you ask how long this is going to take you know okay that's a lot of yorts that's a lot of yorts that's there. Fucking, yeah. but that's so genius it is, it is oh, yeah. incredibly genius so it means that yeah it just abstracts everything uh, the boring parts out of it, it also stops but what um, it also, meta gamers as well uh, well yeah exactly <laughs> and um yeah it, it, it stops yeah so it stops minutiae i think but yeah you've got this it's kind of funny because it, let's say, for example, in our world, right? If I'm measuring something by centimeters, and I go, that's three centimeters, then some, uh, in, in this world, uh, and if I measure something by inches, that would be a completely different measurement. But in this world, both are the same thing. Yeah. So you know on a map where it will say one centimeter equals one mile? On the map in this book, it just says one yacht equals one yacht. Yes. Love it. <laughs> Lovely. Love it. <laughs> Which I just think is so, it's so funny and so great. And it's like... Yeah, it's just you'll get used to uh, how many yachts a GM thinks is a lot, and you'll sort of, uh, yeah. I don't know, like, it's about pretty 30 cool. Yacht in it, mate. Yeah, it's about 30 yachts. And and the good thing is, is there n- there's no north, south, east, or west as well. Those aren't yachts, too. That would be funny, but it's not. Oh. Um, there's a new directional system, right? So uh, north and south don't exist, but sort of up, you're either traveling towards the Earth's butthole, which is called Holewood. That's mm-hmm. one one direction, Holewood. Or you're traveling away, which is Holewentz. <laughs> and then Very to- good. To describe what, um, a, a lateral movement, what you do is you just say across from and then give a landmark. So if I told you Chloe Ho was uh, whole Wentz and across from Flume, that's 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 the directions kind right, of thing. Right, got you. So Brilliant. it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird, but it's not necessarily necessarily like it doesn't change anything. Um, but that's it's just kind landmarking, of like, isn't it? Just yeah, navigation. Yeah, it, exactly. So you're navigating by landmarks, it and it just means that if Players don't just go. I go north. You just you you go whole winds or whole wood. It also helps them understand the directions more. And with using Mm. landmarks, it helps them build. If you know, if it's if it's totem, it helps them build the map in their minds better because then they're going to retain it more by understanding the direction and the closeness of other places. I think I would agree with that. It gives you a better picture of bit better picture of the world kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. That's very that's very good. Um, I like it a lot, and I, I love the yacht system. It just, yeah, makes me me, it just makes me lol. Oh, you know, um, I've always thought of um, Andy Hopp as the uh, American uh, Walcock. I think he is in a lot of ways. He is, he's, yeah, he is a bit like that, and mm-hmm. he he's, has a good talent for putting out really useful products. But speaking of useful, 
let's talk about character options, shall we? Because this is like, this is this is where the real meat and potatoes is. And in fact, if you want to pay, play a character made of meat and potatoes, you can. Um, <laughs> you can. But yeah, so you've got your basic mutant, right? And these are called bodles, um, which means beings of dubious lineage. <laughs> now these are considered by some to be descendants of the human racians, and these guys are, as the book puts it, beyond description because each one is so different. And they essentially look like a jumbled up bin of human body parts and mutations. So the one in the book, for example, has got a hand for a face, giant ears, yes. a little yep. squid-like beard. And uh, yeah, he's wearing, uh, he's got like eight eyes and two noses. So it's like, you get the, you get the picture. But Cremphilians, these guys are called. They're the Twinkie race, right? But they can be any cake product. You don't have to be a Twinkie. But most of them belong to a religion called Jemima's Witnesses. Because you know the big <laughs> Je- uh, Aunt Jemima maple syrup bottles? Yep, yep. Um, yeah, so they're, they're, I think that is pretty cool. And essentially, they believe that the human racians were evil and despised them for encasing them in plastic tombs, which is basically their, their packaging. So the Cremphilians have been alive for you know, centuries after the nuclear war, but encased in plastic until somebody <laughs> came and opened them. <laughs> yep. And that's depressing. That is ridiculous. Oh that's fucking crazy. It's crazy, isn't it? So good. It's it's mental, but yeah, there's there's an opposing religion to Jemima's Witnesses called human, Humanitarians, and they worship the old ones and try to find artefacts of theirs. But anyway, I digress. We'll get into religions later. But um, other ring, uh, races include UFOs, which are aliens with a talent for mind magic. There's hawks, which are big, tough, snot creatures named after the sound you make when you're hawking up a, <laughs> yep. a loogie. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the, hang on, sorry. Or, or there's piles who are sentient mm. piles of trash. Lovely. Now, there's actually fucking loads of races, but these are kind of the greatest hits, as it were. But I won't bother listing more, but I may talk about others later. But what I like about the race section is that it includes naming conventions for each race, their relationship to other races, and how they generally fight when uh, when their combat skills are being tested. For example, hawks, the snot men, they fight with something called a clobbering stick uh, yeah. and generally clobbering engage stick. in the style of a violent maniac. So think Marv from Sin City. Yeah. That's, a, that's your basic hawk. He kind of keeps it simple, but the way it's written is that all of it is entertaining. Yeah. So you can get the picture, but the thing is, is that it's... Not necessarily all the text is there to be used in the game. Quite a lot of it is there just to be a good read yeah. and to be amusing. And it is really, really quite funny. I, I could never do it justice reading on here, as you probably no. can tell from earlier. But, but it's, it's I, really, I love really funny. How, um, yeah, like you're saying, the, the structure of the words and everything, it is literally stupid and idiotic. But when you, like you say, understand it, it's so incredibly smart. It's, it's actually, It actually makes it quite immersive, and I've seen it done worse in a lot of other RPG settings, you know, mm. like especially ones from the 80s, Cyberpunk, for example, where it's trying to speak in this rad manner and it's only <laughs> use all of the slang from the fucking game, but it's yeah. like, it's a He's bit found cringe. It. He's found it and it works. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, Hawks, they um, they engage like violent maniacs. And as for names, they ty- they typically name themselves after something they're known for doing. And an example in the book is Spleen Gobbler Hatesmith. Mm. <laughs> nice. So, it's like a racist guy that eats spleens. Lovely. Or eat your spleen. Yeah. I mean, nom, that's, nom, 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 nom. that's one way to win a fight, though, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you get away from that, are you? Now, as for racial abilities, so you kind of get the idea, right? Every, every you know, race has a, has a write-up like this, and they're all bloody funny, but 
racial uh, abilities, essentially you just get to pick from a few race-specific edges at character creation. So, like, there's usually two or three for each one. So, an UFO might take, you know, mind control powers or mm, whatever. Okay. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about those when we get to edges and hindrances. But basically, the the, the book after the races prov- provides, like, several examples of archetypes from within its universe. Because I know what you're thinking. It's like, the setting is so mental but what kind of people do we play so yeah. we know the races that we're going to play but archetypes uh, for example you have beast punchers which are basically cowboys or ranch owners and for those that don't know because I, I wasn't aware of this but it's um, the reason it's beast punchers is because another name for cowboy was cow punch cow punch so that's what it is but obviously uh. you don't have cows in this universe um, you could be a gangster a pimp a smoothster a Weisenheimer a price a corn, which is a pirate. I like that. Or how about the, how about the pedon? Pedon, where you are, <laughs> you are the lowest of the low to the point where people piss on you. Oh, it's literal. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pedon. It's great though, isn't it? They're often slaves. Yeah. Or homeless, gotcha. which is, uh, which is harrowing. But yeah, Gadabout is another archetype listed in the book, and that's what the book's author is. So it's basically uh, an explorer. Don't do that, James. (laughs) Sorry. I couldn't (laughs) help it. (laughs) You want to do spells? You get a wand? You got a fucking owl? It'll deliver your meal? Deal with it! You twat! So, this is a Savage Worlds product, so you can build your character any way you like. But you aren't limited to these classes, but they do serve as an idea as to what you might like to play. And this game has quite a sort of, quite a strong gangster presence mm. to it, which is quite weird. But it, it <laughs> actually it actually is really good. Like, do this combined with Wise Guys, and you've got a fucking game on oh your hand. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Get that in the works. Yeah. What was that? What was your question, Nick? What were you just about to ask? Was it what? What about the spellcasters? Yeah. What about these spellcasters then? Well, I'm glad you asked, Nick, because uh, <laughs> I've lost my page. <laughs> yeah. So most Savage Worlds games have about two or three arcane backgrounds, which you can, uh, which you can use mm. in your games. But the core book of of Low Life has eight. Yes. <laughs> wow. So some of these have unique mechanics and uh, some can use spells that others can't and so on. But all of them have unique trappings for the spells, which you don't know is just how your spells manifest. So let's say you play the Contaminator. Well, that means you're an elemental Zazwaggler controlling the four (laughs) elements of filth, decay, disease and feculence. Oh, yes. So nice. you could send balls of muck hurtling into opponent, attract garbage like a magnet to give yourself <laughs> yes. armor, or stick to walls using garbage juice. So it's pretty oh. fucking cool. <laughs> Bin juice. Oh my. Whereas the, an, another gross one is the uh, the zaz of a danged wrangler. So a danged <laughs> wrangler. So it's like dead wrangling um, would yep. be different because danged wranglers specialize in stuff to do with the dead they're necromancers basically and all their powers manifest as the book puts it totally goth nice <laughs> but here's the nice. thing each each different spellcasting class has a different uh, fumble so if, if you roll a one on your spellcasting mm. die with a danged wrangler your spell becomes the spell becomes reversed but also becomes really happy and flowery so as a goth <laughs> you're going to hate that like suddenly That's you're so trying good. to hurt the enemy, but you heal them, and little flowers grow on their head. 
Oh, <laughs> but to it's you, so that's good. horrible. Yeah. <laughs> the example I came up with is if you're using the cadaver gab spell to talk mm. to a dead body, but roll a one. Well, maybe instead of the corpse talking to you, you speak to it and say something really nice. Do you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> I like your hair. F- What's left of it? <laughs> Damn. Um, yeah. So it's it's pretty pretty fucking cool. But I just wanted to talk about two more arcane backgrounds because there's there's quite a few actually. But mm. this one, the first one I want to talk about is the giggity gigger. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> these guys this is one of the more unique ones that I think is actually uh, a really good laugh if you're the type of character that likes to play by the seat of your pants because <laughs> it's pretty fucking cool so Giggity Giggers hunt these little creatures called Giggities and Giggities are small triangular things that come in loads of shapes and sizes and they each hold special properties you can get flying ones ground ones and all of this stuff but the Giggity Gigger can extract from them these special properties, right? So these can be spells that the Giggity has stolen from another Zazwaggler, or they can be edges, hindrances, whatever. So you don't know what you're going to get. It's completely random. Yes. Oh, um, oh, 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 there are some so things good. you can do to mitigate that, but um, essentially it's mostly random. But you can end up with a massive hindrance out of nowhere, which will last until the Giggity is, uh, decides to go his own way, basically. Um, so that is fucking cool. So you could so end up cool. with an edge for the such a smart move. The cool thing about it, though, and I know you'll like this, Nick, is that is that as as a spellcaster, you're the type of guy that doesn't really mind the randomness uh, nope. of something like that. And I think you'll like this because you could get a legendary edge at level one by getting the right giggity. Um, that is crazy. That is crazy. So you can be super OP from the get go just with a bit of luck. Yes, you just need nice. the right luck. Yeah, um, <laughs> really, really good. OP. I love it. Yeah, me too. And, but then uh, this game yeah. is accidental OP, just by the sound of it, you know, just by listening to it, it sounds nuts so so it, it works. It is nuts, and, and a lot of it actually is quite unbalanced, but I think that actually only benefits uh, yeah, it. Exactly. We'll, we'll talk about that in, in a bit, but yeah, so I, I could talk about the this, the uh, the smell caster as well, who will, will do, <laughs> do all smell-based magic, and this is a smell-exclusive one, I believe. The weirdo, or the hocus pocus, or the dementalist arcane backgrounds, but we we're going to chat about the holy roller, holy holy roller. I never know how to say that, but holy, holy roller. Holy roller. The holy, holy roller. Holy roller. Holy roller. The holy roller. So religion. Roll. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Reverend Nick. Everyone. Hello. So Nick. Namaste. <laughs> Namaste. No, we don't do characters anymore. No, sadly. Hello? Who's that? Hello? Who's that? <laughs> it's the Reverend Nick. Oh my Nick. God. It's absolutely racist John. <laughs> That's why we stopped doing it. You know what I hate? <laughs> Fuck off. N- no, get out. <laughs> God. So yes, religion is a big part of these games. And the Holy Roller is basically the cleric arcane background. And it's almost the same as core Savage Worlds cleric stuff. But I think the religions are kind of the really cool part. So we mentioned humanitarianism and Jemima's witnesses, but the other religions in uh, this section of the book uh, called Holy Crap include uh, yes. Borgosarianism, yeah. <clears throat> who worship a big dung beetle in the sky. Lovely. Jeezel G- Freakism, who worship an ancient musician called Jelvis. <laughs> so basically all of your cleric powers are now Elvis-based. Brilliant. Um, and there's a religion that worships an evil god called Stan, basically Satanists. So they're called Stanismists. <laughs> Stanismists. Oh, God. It's really annoying to say, but I think that's for purpose. Yeah. 
But the religions are really great for story seeds and for motivating characters, and they're such a big part of the setting that Andy Hopper made a whole second book about religions. And so, lads, we are going to play a game, Andy Hop or Andy Nop. Um, <laughs> you have to guess whether each of the following religions is made up by me, or if it comes from the religion expansion from Low Life, also is called it Hop Holy or Nop. Yeah, Hop or Nop. All right, the first one. Atheists. Spelt, their name is spelt with loads of A's so that they always appear at the beginning of every list. Would you reckon? Is that not Hop or Nop? It's it's genius, whoever made it. I but, think it's um, Nop. I think it's Nop. No, that is actually one of the religions that's from hop. the book. Okay. Yeah, that's Hop. That's real. The Dong Fonders. That's Nop. Ah, oh, mate, that's got to be Nop. No, those are in there. No Fuck. way! So, there's an area of the game called the Dingdom of the Dong, and the guy, <laughs> the, the leader there, the leader there, his name is Dong, so they're fond of him, so they're the Dong Fonders. So good. Um, the Munt Funglers. That's, oh, that's got, that that's got to be a nop. Yeah, that's me. That's me. That uh, big, the Big Babies. Uh, hop. Hop. Yeah, that's right. You're right. That's him. Uh, that's a real one. Uh, Crimson Frinzelism. I feel like that's a knot because it's too much. Nick? Yeah, I'll go knot. I'll go knot. Yeah, that one I did made up. And the, yeah. the very final religion, not of this oithlings. <laughs> oh, that's definitely a hop. Hop. Yeah, that's real. That's real. E- but the cool thing, there's about 60 religions in that book, which is pretty ah, cool. It's yeah, because like, that was an expansion, major... wasn't it, that came out? Exactly. After, and yeah. It's, it's even got like it's got more shit in there it's really mm-hmm. really fucking good it's worth it isn't it it's, it's got like new races new it. powers new uh, like ten main religions and then like loads and loads of sub-religions like you know like cults basically yep but since we're on the subject of religion and magic let's talk spells so the game uses the Savage World's core spells but it also adds in a couple more for example, one we've already mentioned is Cadavergab, which is a danged wrangler spell that allows you to speak to the dead. Nothing special, but here's a couple of cool new spells for you. Um, Conjure Contaminants is a cool spell. Obviously a contaminant spell, but it grows stronger as you increase in rank. So basically nice. you summon a filth monster. Yep. And at novice, it'll be a wuss or a feck, but a legendary, it's going to be a badass or a raunch. Ooh. So... Um, and those the stats for them are actually listed in the book. Those are so you can get a, um, what is it a feck a feck contaminant or a wuss <laughs> contaminant. So yeah, those are the different like ranks basically. Yeah, I gotcha. Transmogrifies is another cool one which allows the spellcaster to mutate his foes from a random table of muta- mutating. Nice oh, from a random man. table of mutations. And on this table, um, you have a location, then the effect. So you could have your enemy's teeth triple in size, or yeah. suddenly their knee is covered in eyeballs. Yeah. Or you could have a part of them suddenly become useless and limp, or suddenly maybe their eyeball gets covered in eyeballs, which is a disgusting thought. Oh, oh yeah. God. The eye of yeah, eyes. So there's not like a huge amount of spells in here, because the Savage Worlds is already pretty comprehensive what, yeah. what you can do, because of trappings, but the mm-hmm. new ones are pretty fucking good. Yeah, I like it. Me too. So, um, yeah, what, one last thing we want to talk about in character options is edges and hindrances. And edges, for those aren't, uh, that are unaware, are unique abilities or mechanics um, a character can have. Hindrances being your character's shortfall. And this game does something particularly cool with them. So, in normal Savage Worlds, you have major or minor hindrances, right? And each one gives you a certain number of extra points towards character creation stuff like wealth, new skills, extra edges... 
But this game introduces the doozy level of hindrance above. It's it's a level of hindrance above major, which nets you four Ooh. points towards other shit. So examples of this are limbless. <laughs> Mouthless, blind is also been changed to be a doozy. Now, limbless characters get minus eight to all physical actions. Fuck here now. Wow. But remember this: it's not necessarily that bad if you're a spellcaster. Yeah. You get okay. you get your mates to wheel you around in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> you're just a little blob firing off spells. You could just yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love that's it. A, that's a good way. That's like my very short guide to min-maxing low life. You need a wheelbarrow, you need limbless, and you need to buy as many spellcasting edges as you can. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, other hindrances include Hordosaurus, where um, you have to roll spirit. Anytime you want to use an item or get rid of an item, you have to roll spirit to relinquish the item from your inventory because you just love hoarding shit. Nice, yeah. Clips There's up. also s- Stanky, which gives you a minus two to persuasion and stealth as long as the person <laughs> you're sneaking up to or talking to can smell you. <laughs> you stanky. <laughs> <laughs> and it's those doubly for smelfs, which are huge-nosed creatures with smell-casting powers. Smell-casting. I love it. But yeah, anyway, the edges are where the book really shines. So mm. for each race upon character creation, and you're going to see, like, I was going in a kind of certain direction with these, right? Because, right, uh, anyway, um, <laughs> each upon character creation, right, every character gets to pick from a couple of race-exclusive edges. For example, Bodles, the animal, or the animal version of Bodles, called Tisn'ts, can start with uh, the edge big ass feet or big ass ass and <laughs> big ass ass <laughs> guy's got a big ass ass <laughs> the feet basically give extra jumping height and kicking damage whereas the ass absorbs full damage and allows you to bounce up higher than jump height nice yes nice now what I love about the uh, this section particularly is it's not completely PC so there is an edge called pimp slap <laughs> where you get a bonus to slapping people that are smaller than you and, <laughs> and if you combine that with a big ass hands edge then you've got a recipe for a pretty good pimp yeah yes um, there's another a good edge for the pimp would be the booty hunter edge oh, wow. where you gain a bonus if you're tracking a woman or a man if that's your preference with a nice bum <laughs> <laughs> Just and then there's the what was his ass like? I need to know so I can track him down easy. And he's like, oh, it's shaped like a peach. And he's he's like in a crowd and he's like, do, 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 like fucking, case. like his <laughs> yeah, sort of Terminator vision. Yeah, yeah, Terminator on, on point. <laughs> ass detected. <laughs> Come here, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, there's also just a uh, there's also just the pimp edge itself. It's a background edge. So the book the book puts it like this, right? It says your life as a pimp starts with the one strumple in your stable. So brothels are referred to as a stable, which I just find so funny. I just imagine I know this is a terrible image, but a bunch of sort of mutant women standing there eating hay, you know, just in their little boxes. <laughs> yeah. The pimp coming in like pouring a bit of slop in there. Um, Gesturing to them. Yeah, yeah, but basically, yeah, um, yeah, the way this pimp edge works is that as you increase in rank, you get more strumples as henchmen. So at Legendary, okay. you have 16 loyal hoes that nice. follow you around everywhere. <laughs> now, as you can see, I went a bit all in on the pimp edges because I thought they were funny, but they're so yeah. good. And the others yeah. are great too. So, for example, Lashmaster. It gives any slaves that you own plus one to actions when they're standing next to you. Price of corn allows you to change your wild die to a D8 Ooh. when you're on a ship. Oh my god. But the best one, Evil Twin. It means that when your character dies, this is a background edge, when your character dies, they get replaced by their evil twin. <laughs> yes. And the requirements for the edge, right, is that your character is not already evil, obviously, and doesn't have a beard. Because when your evil twin joins the party, 
he has a beard. Obviously, yes, he's got like a little course. evil goatee. Got to, got to have it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, conversely, there is a good a good twin edge too. So it's you know, if you if you want to do it the other way around. Yeah. Okay. But that's mostly it for character creation, lads. Uh, oh. The gear section is pretty great. It mostly consists of like fantasy type items with a few odd ones thrown in, like a throwing hat, like odd job, <laughs> yeah. um, or <laughs> yes. the big the big fork, which is an armor piercing cutlery weapon, <laughs> nice. or the war mitten, that's also <laughs> a slapping weapon. Um, one for the pimps there. Nice. Yeah, so it's pretty fucking cool. But one great feature is the weapon customization. So there's a shop, like an in-world shop, called mm-hmm. Wacky Wongo's Workshop, where you can <laughs> customize items. Or, or you can just use this system where a player wants to create an item. So you pay for certain levels of damage or additional effects for each. Okay. Disarming abilities or maybe the ability for a weapon to return when thrown. But, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. That's it's pretty wicked. nice. Um, yeah. But, yeah, after the gear is the monsters, and we'll get to those, and I realise that I actually haven't written any of them up. Um, <laughs> so we won't get to... Well, we might get to those. But before we do, I just want to take a peek at the world. I, I won't go too in-depth here because, you know, um, we could be here all day because it yeah. is actually quite fucking deep. But um, It is. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's, it's astonishing how deep it is, considering how... You know, if you're just picking it, the book up for the first time, or you read like a passage from it randomly, you think, "What the fuck is this? This is this this reads stupid." But then, yeah, the whole world and everything is deep as fuck. It really yep. is. So when we played, if you remember, we played like a you know a couple of sessions of it, right? Mm. And uh, yeah, the where we played it was a town called uh, Agog. It's uh, it, well, it's actually called the, the Empirical Terrarium of Agog, the Blood Sodden Sog. And uh, this, basically, this is like a tribal, like crime field hawk town ruled over by a snot man called Fist Pounder Gavel Banger who sits on a throne made of smelf bones. And the adventure we did took place in the Museum of Things That Are No Longer Yours, containing evidence of basically hawk, you know, conquests over other peoples. Um, but there's also a pretzel forge here where pretzels are made from a flower of ground up smelf bones served with smelf blood sauce. Wow. Ooh, and of okay. course, I already mentioned the Kremfilian town, the uh, Dingdom of the Dong. And this place is basically an archipelago, which is at war with itself because there's so many Twinkie based, cake based gangs all vying for territory. <laughs> and listen, each place has notable locations in it. And notable locations uh, in the Dingdom of the Dong include Mount Funky and uh, Borkel Bleak, which is a giant rock within which dwells a pile, a trash guy, who meditates encased inside forever. Lovely. So you get the picture here, right? Other oh, amazing locations that I would... would uh, Other amazing locations that I won't get into include that one place with all the sand, flooded crust, some rocks, and <laughs> the yuck. And <laughs> the there's yuck. one called, simply, don't go here. Nice. So what's that place and, like? You've got to go there. You don't just yeah, don't tell me one mate. player that don't want to go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the trouble, isn't it? I, say, no, I get a bit go. nervous. So, what am I like when we're playing? If something sounds mm. a bit risky, I do get a bit scared. You well, do. We can actually hear it in your in your um, voice, not in your character. You sure, it's a good idea, guys. <laughs> yeah. like, it does um, say don't go there. He's just sort of like there's a little quiver at first, but then obviously you play into it later. <laughs> but you're just like, um, um, okay. <laughs> uh, should we go there? 
Is uh, yeah, but I mean, I, uh, the reason I don't really want to spoil it is because I kind of really want to get it and actually play this uh, for yeah. a campaign. So, um, but yes, great locations. They're all kind of weird. Now, the world of Low Life is absolutely huge. So there's a campaign setting for it outside of just the whole thing, but it details a previously mentioned area called Keister Island, where the Oith's butthole is. Yes, uh, a huge nuclear crater. So. The book is called The Whole Hole and details all the locations on Keister Island, uh, in, including the Garden of Smellamental Glee. But what's, <laughs> what's cool, right, is that it includes new hindrances, edges, races, equipment, and all of that too. Now, I'm just going to talk about extras, supplements, and assorted jazz, right? Because the religion supplement and the Keister Island one are so worth it just for the new races. The Whole Hole, for example, you've got the fungi mushroom people or the snail who are quiet like mostly people mostly peaceful snail people and you've got the flu which are like huge fly people Um, but in the religion book you have seven new races including probably the most famous race in low life the coblin yes Andy's convention that he runs is called Con on the Cob and features these guys as the mascot and even makes corn-based trophies in the shape of these guys. They're essentially Corn on the Cob people who can explode themselves, sending giant kernels in every direction, and then they have to wait three days for it to grow back. But yeah, these are like really cool, cool race, man. But essentially, they're always very angry. So at any point, they can just boil over and they suddenly <laughs> send kernels flying everywhere. So they're pretty cool. That's brilliant. they got anger trigger. But yeah, many of the edges and hindrances are exclusive to certain races. The supplements are so worth getting if you want the full range of character options because there's certain edges that only a Coblin can take that are really fucking good. So yeah, I mean, it does mean you end up with about 20 races, but I don't think it, I don't think it's overly complicated. It just means you've got a couple more character options than you usually yeah. would in Savage Worlds. But yeah, um, before we just kind of get onto our thoughts for the thing, like, I just want to talk about one accessory that I think is is a must-have if you're going to fucking play low life, right? And uh, it's the Misadventure deck. Ooh. So in Savage Worlds, you have accessories called Adventure decks, and they work thusly. Each player draws one card from the deck for each rank they possess, and they can play one of those cards at any point during the session. And it can have effects ranging from making an enemy's weapon backfire to gaining an important clue to killing every every extra in the room with one sex, successful attack. Low Life's Misadventure deck is slightly different. Everyone just gets one, regardless of rank, and used cards get shuffled back into the deck. But unlike normal adventure cards, a player can spend a Benny at any time to receive another and still use it. And players aren't just limited to using one or two or three. They can use as many as they want. So you get awarded a Benny and just go, fuck it, I'm gambling. I'm going to take another adventure card. It's really cool. And the cool cool thing is, is that this deck and the cards within often have like a cost to them. So it's not just a good effect. So there's one that makes you walk really wonky for the rest of a combat, slowing you right the fuck down and giving you a minus two to all rolls, but you're also really difficult to hit because you you're just fucking jerking all over the place. So enemies have a minus four yes, to hit mate. you. That is cool. That's so smart. Yeah. I think this is my favourite one. It's just it's just called chill for a bit. Um, <laughs> where, chill for a bit. Where a com- uh, the combat automatically stops in two d four rounds. So everyone, the enemies and you, all have a break. For, for a round and, and have a snack and try to do a bit of healing and it's sort of like both sides are sitting there going when I've had this fucking sandwich you're a dead man shut up <laughs> and, then, and then they'll get back into the fight later <laughs> yeah. on nice mate there's, 
There's one called Too Soon, where you have to tell a joke so offensive that everyone in the vicinity is shaken. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we had that in our game, didn't we? Yeah, we had that in our game, and another one that we had was Late to the Party, where you arrive two rounds late to the combat, but when you do, you're right behind the enemy. Nice. Cool. That's cool. That's really cool. So that is that is pretty much it. I mean, monster-wise, I'm just uh, there, there's a lot of weird. I'm just, the two I can remember: Brocodile, which is half broccoli and half crocodile, <laughs> and um, of course there is the oily boyd, which is an oily bird. So it's like a really horrible, disgusting bird covered in oil. I'm also looking at a mutant land fish on my screen right now, as well as um, an ogre called an odor, which is a big smelly blob of flesh. So yeah, Ooh. pretty cool. So um, yeah, that's low life. Um, I'll get your guys' thoughts on it. So Nick, how about you? You start. As a, as a huge post-apocalyptic fan, you know, it's always going to be something I'll be interested in. But then when you look deeper at it, and it's, like you said, a post-post-apocalyptic uh, game where, you know, the, the disaster is over many years ago, everything... Oh, I forget what it's called in this now. The um, the Flush. The Flush, yes, exactly. So that was the, the event. And this is, like, a long time after where whatever semblance of society is left is now a full-functioning society in its own right. And that's what makes it so clever, because... It's I don't know. You just have to completely rethink the whole way the whole way everything works and and try and bring structure to madness and it's great and that's why I like it so much because even though it is crazy it's not if you look at it there is there, there's it's there, actually it's actually like quite a lot like a normal fantasy game or a lot like real life because everyone talks in this weird modern way and yep. there are shops and stuff like this so it's just that one level of weirdness re- removed where the stuff you're doing could be almost normal but then you realize that you're trying to break into a museum that's an endless maze guided by a man made entirely of snot do you know what i mean it's exactly like, yeah love it but, and it's um, just clever. It's just I think there's so much to work with in it. So you can literally mm. do any theme you would like within low life, and it would be a kind of, you know, something interesting, but it's also something familiar as well. It's it's great. It's, I think you can have no, a lot I, of fun with it. I agree about that because it's like I'm aware that it's a silly setting and not to be taken seriously. But in a post-apocalyptic game, the game is usually about surviving and it's usually about scarcity. And in this, it's kind of more about. Well, it's not, it's not about that, so it can be anything you want. I mean, I played, um, when I actually played with Andy Hobb, we played an investigative game. Uh, when we played it, we played a gangster game. Yeah. Um, and you could easily do uh, dungeon exploring, going down human racian um, structures. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, yeah. it's really whatever you want it to be, exactly. which is kind of cool. And that's what Although, I like about I, it. I wonder if you could do effective horror in a game that's so silly that you don't know... Because the thing is... The big part of a, maybe a horror where there's a monster involved is seeing them. But everything in this is a monster, so I that's mean, true. But you then know. you could go. You could, I mean, you can go. You can go for the visceral gross out, can't you? Because there's extra levers. I mean, you've already got it baked into the whole setting. It's kind yeah, of that's gross, a good point. but then you yeah. can like really ramp up the gross, I guess, uh, totally. to bring in that kind of horror, that kind of macabre side of it. But um, yeah, no, it's 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 yeah. You can make a pretty good hellscape in in uh, <laughs> you know, in that, can you? James, how about you? Do you like it? Is it nice? Oh, mate, it's fucking... It is astounding, isn't it? Because I was there yeah. with you when um, you you bought the supplements and everything, and then you mm. just like, oh, I've got some money saved away. I don't know if I should get it. And then like you disappeared for a little bit, came back, and was like, yeah, I've got them all, mate. I've got them all. <laughs> and it's just like, it's fucking awesome. The artwork 
is phenomenal and it's all drawn by Andy himself. Oh, that's it. Yeah, we, we forgot to mention that. Oh, my God, yeah. It does the, exactly. the guy's an is, artist, yeah. I just can't... I, that's the only one thing I think that um, Walcock has... has the, the difference between Andy and Walcock is that. <laughs> he said yeah. that Walcock's not an artist, well, but... Well, Richard Walcock's the layout guy, Andy's the fucking... He's the artist, but for those... Yeah. Um, you know, just go and look at some of Andy's art because... It's basically like '90s gross-out humor. So if you imagine like garbage pal kids, it's, yeah, a li- exactly. it's like that style, um, and he absolutely smashes it. And what's kind of cool is that because the art has such a large focus in the book, there's little Easter eggs and things like this. So there is a hidden message, I think, at some point in the book that tells you to look for snails. And in certain pictures, there's there's tiny little snails that are hidden away in the background or whatever. And I, d- I don't know why it's just. That little thing is, is quite 90s to me, and I fucking love it. Yeah, it's, it's wicked. It's really awesome. And I think, like we were saying earlier, it's like just how smart all of the silliness is. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It, it, I mean, every single time it amazes me. You know, when you hear these little um, like quirks and stuff that, you know, I've maybe heard before or, you know, we discussed um, earlier about the, the way that the certain edges work and mm. stuff like that. It's just like... Oh my god! It makes so much sense, but when you just without understanding the sense, if you just didn't get it, it is just stupid. But yeah. I mean, you, but you get it, you yeah. get it, and it makes full full sense. And it's just like yeah, that I, is uh, smart. I think, um, uh, yeah. One one of my favorite. If I was to compare it to another saying, I would probably say Planescape. And I know Planescape is supposed to be taken seriously. The trouble is with Planescape is everything has a really very specific way that it works. And it, it's what simultaneously makes the game great, but also very difficult to get into. This game, although it has, it is completely weird, and you could turn a corner and see just about anything, it also has... Um, a certain level of a certain level of weird where it's like it's not going to baffle anyone you yeah, still yeah, get yeah. your place in the world you still get the way the world works it's everything is weird but it's to the point where everything is so weird that i don't think it's a way it's one way you feel like you should be reading up on it no it's, no not at all yeah it's it it's like it's like what you know and what you like and what you're familiar with but then with all this crazy wicked stuff kind of put on top of it Totally, and and you know, in the two, three sessions that we played of this, um, I really, I, I really found that it was just easy to slot into, and it's one other one of those ones where because it's so weird, players feel like they've got that freedom to be as it's weird and as stupid as they want. It's comfortable. Yeah, that's yeah, it. that's it. That's it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 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 It's the reason Saga of the Goblin Horde works and Wise Guys and this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I tell you so what, um, I do have a theory, and and I think this is I'm going to go on a slight rant here. But here's here's my theory. So one of my favourite musicians in the world is a bloke called Daniel Johnston, who became famous because Kurt Cobain wore one of his T-shirts, right? And I can't, I don't know how old he was when he recorded his album, but they're very 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 low quality and display sort of actually kind of a. Uh, not real talent for music but they are actually really great songs and I really like them and what that type of art is known as is outsider art right because he's a guy that isn't necessarily involved in music the music industry music production and as a result creates something really really unique now I'm sorry if this sounds offensive in any way if Andy is listening to this but I get the impression that he's not actually a big RPG guy And the reason I think this is because the way the book is structured 
is it structured more like a world book about his art and then at the end so you have a whole section on all the spellcasters what they do how they do it and then at the end it repeats the same section and added in are the ways the spellcasters work added in are what edges the races get so i think that he was writing the world book, then decided kind of halfway through that he wanted it to be a game. Do you see what I mean? And yeah, chose yeah, Savage Worlds. Yeah, I gotcha. And there was absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I find that that what what it what makes the book great is its commitment to fun over balance, right? And I feel as if that could only come from a perspective where you're kind of an outsider to the hobby. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get that's you. that's my little theory. I don't know if it's true, but he does run it every year at Con and the Cobb. But the way he does it, he kind of does like weird challenges that you yeah, need to yeah. do to actually succeed in in challenges. So it could be you have to play him at rock paper scissors. You have to arm wrestle him. You have yeah, to physically Yeah, yeah. So. I think he's like he's a guy that just he likes the improv of it he likes the world building and he's put out this product for people to play as a game maybe being a bit of an outsider but it actually resulted I think in a better product yeah and he and he picked the perfect system for for, for which to use that you know totally who helped totally. him along who helped him along with the uh, I think I'm fairly certain him and Hensley Shane Hensley were, were, were close but I, d- I don't know I might be wrong with that but I think he knows Jodie Black and Clint Black as well so uh, okay yeah. because that's you know that's that's very telling that if it, if your theory is correct then yeah they uh, the assistance provided to help you know make this come to life well and, and bear in mind this worlds. is um this is the second edition that i've got so original one was just yeah. called low life rise of the lowly and it was um well it's not black and white but it, it was kind of green black and white um and then the this one is rise of the lowly redragged from the muck by andy hop so yeah this one is like the full color version the really nice one um i've got the two expansions as well so but yeah it's um well, I love it. I mean, even if you just, even if you think it sounds too stupid, just read the world setting stuff for the humour because it's so funny and so. The thing is, brilliant. it will also spark. Um, I think it will spark something inside you to. Uh, it will help you out in your own campaigns. Just oh, because yeah. it's stupid um, and stuff doesn't mean it will put you off. It will feed you ideas because just like he's just. Um, yeah, because imagine if imagine if I words. if imagine if I took this setting, and then when uh, okay, pimp with a giant hand, right? I'm putting that in our wise guys game. Suddenly, yeah. the new bad guys, this guy with a huge deformity, where he's got a massive hand and he's going around slapping people to death. Johnny the slap, exactly. Johnny the exactly. slap. <laughs> <laughs> it's massive and damn. Massive hand, damn, that's the one. <laughs> All right, well, that is it for Low Life. Uh, if you can't tell, we really like it, and I am yeah. giving it a 10 out of 10. It's not just because he gave us an award, all right? All right. Yeah. But yeah. it helps, so I'm busting it up to an 11. There you go. <laughs> anyway, yeah, this is easily one of my favourite settings. I haven't played as, as much as I would like, but I absolutely love it. I think the language is great. I think that the creativity is amazing, and I love yeah. it when somebody does something different. So, yeah, Agreed. definitely go out and buy it. It's brilliant. Although... I was trying to buy before we get onto electro letters, right? Andy also designed another game called Gazoink, which is set yep. in the same universe as Low Life, and it's basically each player takes the role of a giggity gigger, the magic casters, right? And you're all competing to get better giggity, so ones that are worth higher card amounts. Yeah. Um, 
I can't exactly remember how to play it, but he um, released an expansion for Gazoink called Chunderstorm, and it's the drinking game version of it. And it, <laughs> yeah. it is fucking like Andy can really yes. hold his hold his liquor and and we can, mate. I played it, and bear in mind it was a table of about 12 people, so to get to, when it got to your turn, it was a couple of minutes, you know, and I was fucking hammered after about two (laughs) rounds. It was like, it was like somebody will play a card, and it's like, the player steals a card off you, and you have to drink your entire drink, and I'm like, oh my god, another one, I only just drank an entire drink two minutes ago, and I was like, no, I'm going to bed, see you later. (laughs) See ya. (laughs) But yeah, I was trying to buy it off his website, and currently the shop is down, and I don't know why, but... um, uh, well, yeah, just see if you can find it somewhere. It's fucking great. Yeah, I think it's on drive RPG. And Amazon, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's do some military letters, shall we, lads? Yes, please. Mm. I need to go to Luke, really. All right, cool. That's yeah, awesome. so do I. Well, let's take two, two minutes and uh, leave your recording going. Will do. And here they left the lonely traveller all on his lonesome in the room on his own. With no one around him but himself, because he was on his own. In the future, you will be able to send a letter or parcel from anywhere on the planet. This, sir, is the Electro Letter. That's bad. The recognised return one. from a piss. Hello. Oh. oh, where he is. Hello. Are we on location in the loo? No, no, we're in my spare room. Oh, okay. Are you on location? No, no, I'm back. No, I'm not on location. It's just my, this room sounds like I'm in the loo because it's echoey <laughs> now. But <laughs> um, you got uh, we got that creepy Thomas the Tank Engine wallpaper off though. That is so. Oh what? Oh yeah. What you want me to images. keep just that slither you at the top? You should have like got. Merely to paint like a really nice frame around it, so <laughs> like a piece of art. Oh, so I can't believe you're disappointed by you that. Missed but no, yeah, we've only got we only got one more left to do. Oh, yeah, I was just I was just checking on my booze in the kitchen as well. No, it's it's currently fermenting. Oh yeah, how's it coming? It's good, man. Um, it's weird because I th- I thought we're supposed to slow down about now, but it's still fermenting, which means that it's probably going to be quite high alcohol content, uh, which is exciting. Oh. As well. Does it need sunshine? But you've I guess got it a tester, don't you? No, it has to be... Yeah, I've got a tester, so it needs to be in the dark. And the way you measure the alcohol level, you measure it just when you start and then at the end, and the differential right. gives you yeah, what it is. But Ooh. Yeah, so it has to be in the dark. So I put it in the boiling cupboard, the mm. boiler cupboard, and um, the apple one that I'm making um, was like bloating out really hugely. I was worried it was going to explode, but finally it, <laughs> it's it is down, actually... Is it? Yeah, it's calmed down. It's, yeah, I saw it bubbling away just now, so it's all good. The gas I is escaping. the little apparatus that plugs into the top. It looks just from proper Wilco, chemistry. Mate. It looks proper chemistry. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, it was from Wilco, three quid. Really? And you, you can hear it all day going, whoop. So cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. All righty. So uh, this week, we didn't really have a subject for Electro Letters from you guys, but we had a couple of, uh, well, we'll, well, I mean, well, we you can know. call them mail if you want. <laughs> if that's what you like. So Ian Tutwiler, he says, Some RPGs slash adventures have you play lengthy games within games during your session. For example, Tower of the Stargazer instructs the GM to play a game of chess with a PC. How would you tell your mates that they need to wait out a session while you play chess with one player? How would you tell strangers at a con? You can't change the game to Twister like a sensible GM in this scenario. You can only run as written. 
how can you live with yourself afterwards? So I guess the the parameters here is that you can't just say no, I wouldn't run that adventure. Mm. So Nick, uh, right? So I would um, <clears throat> I would explain to the the guys that the, this chess game is an imperative part of the story, um, and I would probably just hype it up to a point where all the people that weren't playing the chess game were still really, really engaged in the fucking game somehow. So you'd just be like, oh! Like, if Slam you the chest it- board on the table so all the dice go flying. Mm. And I'll be like, throw so- them away for an hour. <laughs> so, like, you'd just be overly enthusiastic about Shit's it. Shit's getting real as I start putting the chess pieces down. The way I imagine it is kind of like... Um, if you had, um, like, you know, when if you've ever seen people celebrate at a rap battle when somebody does a sick diss, yep, and everyone's yep, like, yep. Oh! whoa! Yep. It'd be like that. You'd be doing that and hoping that the other players just Actually, sort of join I would in. Probably, I would probably then, like, you know, maybe I could, if it's at a con that we're running, maybe we could hire some hype men to come in just at that point, and it's like, whoa! Like the crowd just starts going Whoa, crazy. shit, you guys playing chess? Whoa! Whoa, <laughs> whoa my guy! <laughs> I remember, um... <laughs> I remember at Con on the Cob, the last time I went, there was um, uh, Eric's game. We're all playing Wise Guys, and every five minutes, all of them would go, "Hey, hey!" <laughs> <laughs> and the whole table would just interrupt, uh, like erupt into that. Like every five minutes, I'm trying to fucking play Tough Guys over the so other good. side. <laughs> nice. All right, but that's um, what I would probably try to do. Yeah, I'd, I mean, if you're stuck, I mean, if you can't not do that, then I would have to try and make the. And obviously, I would condense the chess game. Um, you know. Well, what I would do is see if I can get them into a fours mate or whatever the fuck it's called nowadays. But uh, the four move, um, that's it. Yep, win. And then if if I could do it, and if they weren't wise to my antics, then good. It's, it's over really quickly. And if I don't, I just try to put myself in a position where they can win really quickly. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, yeah. How about you, James? Well, I'd either I'd either just try and you know explain. I'd either try and play it on the side. Because can you still play the game whilst, or you have to play chess before it continues? I think the outcome of the campaign is crucial to playing it at that moment. Yeah, I think. Oh, in that case, I'd um, I'd uh, try and create a story out of uh, what's happening on the chessboard, so that it becomes more immersive. And then I'll allow uh, yeah. the one person who's playing it to announce what they're doing, but then another player, so that they feel more involved. Make nice. the move, but then explain no, the action. I've clever. got it. Bu- building on build. That's clever. But building on that, right? Get each one guy to be the main chess player, and mm-hmm. then every other player controls just one pawn, and they have to role play all of their actions. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, a, I'm going so in, the, master. The chess game is a role playing game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's clever. That yeah, so, so you've got the player playing chess, but then as he moves a piece, then the other players can play the pieces. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and then suddenly the one player's role playing the bishop, like coming up behind somebody, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, "Here I am." The thing is, it Here does work. Do you remember? Oh God, years ago now, um, Pathfinder, I think, when we uh, when Roland played the Russian roulette game with the devil. No, with death. Yeah, but I suppose we didn't actually stop the game and play Russian roulette. We were still rolling dice. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. But I think that would be. There's no way you wouldn't get hype about a real game of Russian roulette. I mean, it's hard not to. That's true. Um, Garrett Weinstein, he says, "What's your favourite RPG book or tool for running the domain game? A domain being the player's secret lair, business, criminal syndicate, or feudal fi- fiefdom, etc." Um, 
Well, I mean, it might just be recency bias, but I really, really do think that Wise Guys is the best one I've done for that. And and li- listen, hey, hey, calm down a minute. I'm going to say something controversial. d and quite good for it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. We play especially, the business game yeah, in that, don't we? Exactly, and we got the uh, Acquisitions Incorporate book. That's quite a good one. Um, Gen Lab, uh, sorry, Mutant and Gen Lab. That's pretty good. I mean, it's all post-apocalyptic, but it's all kind of a lot of it revolves around your base and building it it up and it making really connections does, yeah. and stuff like that. That's yeah, because cool. uh, specifically the Mutant Year Zero one, yeah. a big part of the game is building up your base, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's a pretty cool one, a bit of a left field answer, but pretty cool one that I saw for Savage Worlds. It was Savage Ghostbusters. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, that <laughs> and a game called a setting called Rippers. Um, mm-hmm. Rippers is good. Both have uh, like your lodge as a business that you can That's add it. features to. So. Um, yeah, and you can get like edges for the lodge that'll be like yeah. I don't know things like your car is always fueled up every time you come back or nice. whatever. Do you know yeah, things like cool. that. So yeah. that's kind of a good one. Um, but yeah, Gen Lab is a very good answer. Um, James, how about you? Mate, we just covered all of them. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, okay, fair enough. Um, Terry Hansen, he says, "What is your favourite coffee or tea brand?" And he's got a couple of things like this. So uh, yeah, let's get into those. James, how about you? Favourite coffee or tea brand? Uh, Taylor's coffee okay they're good good choice they're nice yeah nice and strong it's because it goes up to seven you see on the oh, roast do you know what scale. though this is this is this is what um, annoys me and a lot of people not a lot of people know this I'm about to be a fucking snob right but strong co- if if you have the stronger coffee it doesn't mean it contains more caffeine what it means is that it's roasted for longer therefore giving a more bitter flavour more burnt yeah yeah but yeah. I like it, the bitter actually, yeah I like bitter yeah yeah, me too. I, I, I like both, but um, try a light roast once in a while. It's uh, it's mm. quite a treat. If you want to taste the flavours more, it's it's pretty nice. Um, Favourite t- t- coffee brand, though? I don't, I don't really fucking know. I mean... Currently, I'm the- drinking a whole jar of, because I'm working from home, of Marks & Spencer's Gold. It's quite nice. Oh, the instant stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind instant coffee. A lot of people turn their noses up at it, but I, I actually think it's all oh, right. Oh, it's easy. If um, I've got time to do oh. the... Um, I've got one of their metal ones that you put on the hob, you know, and it percolates yeah. through the... Mocha pot. That, Mocha. Yeah, them. That If you've got time for them, they're, they're cool, you know, but quick coffee, yeah. yeah I, can't, I like it, but it, I've also only got one. I can't one. do instant anymore. No, I, I don't mind instant, but yeah, I, as, as for brands, I don't really know. I don't really like any of the big coffee chains, but out of all of them, I think I, I prefer Starbucks the most because yeah. they do this, you know, like now all the coffee shops do these stupid fucking flavours. Um, <laughs> and I think if I wanted a normal coffee... So I prefer Costa. I would just Costa. have... A, if I wanted a normal coffee, I'd just have it at home, right? So, yeah. so yeah. Starbucks has all the like the, the most sugarful fucking crazy fucking coffees. And I yeah. Yeah. Is there a button presser? They don't. They're not a barista. They click a button, and then the machine does it for them. Whereas Costa, there's a technique involved. Oh, it's basically the fucking same. <laughs> I mean, and also all of them use the cheapest, shittest coffee anyway. Yeah, but that's my. That's I don't enjoy Starbucks because you just you go there for someone to press a button for your coffee. I like someone making it and putting some attention to detail. Ooh. Oh, they don't though. It's basically the same. They're basically just machines made of meat. <laughs> but um, I think we can all agree that Cafe Nero is the worst, right? Uh... No, Starbucks is the worst. Star- Cafe Nero is right. Starbucks is the best. Cafe Nero, I just, I think they also do the shittest food. Oh yeah, I don't really eat. Uh, to be fair, I haven't no, had coffee I've, from a see, shop I did for all ages. Right. I got some Deliveroo stuff from um, Nero recently. That's so was, funny because bang on, mate. I was walking through um, uh, Rygate Town Centre recently, and 
I saw that the um, Cafe Nero were doing um, deliveries, and I was like, "Who the fuck orders from Cafe Nero and Deliveroo?" What? And then, and now we've <laughs> discovered it's you. Now we know who it is. I'll tell you what is amazing yeah, coffee. Uh, Blue Mountain Coffee from Jamaica. Oh my god, Yay. I had it out there. So nice. Millie got me some for my uh, birthday once. Oh, it's fucking great. Yeah, that's good coffee. Have you have you, have you tried the one where go. the monkey? Uh, well, it's not a monkey. It's like a. Well, I think it's a monkey where it shits it out and you you eat, uh, drink it. Oh God! Is it? Is it no? Um, is it? I thought it was a cat. Yeah, it's it like a, a tree cat or something. Tree-based yeah. cat or something. They like have that. to eat it first, and then they t- they 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 take it out of its shit and want to, the passing through of the beans make it a, a special flavor. Apparently, I haven't it's, tried. It's, um, oh my God. Supposedly, what it is is that it gets rid of the acidity. I tried it. Um, because a bunch of us, we had like a little coffee club at work, like sad acts. <laughs> but we got, um, we decided all to chip in a fiver and get some, and yeah. it was alright. It's not it's worth right. that amount of money, but it was no. much, much smoother than it usually is. It's pretty good. Okay. Uh, Terry Hansen follows up with, what snacks would you recommend? Snacks, buddy. Snacks, Wait, buddy. Snacks, snacks, buddy. Um, what, in life or at um, the table? I think just in general. Let's olives. go in general because we've already done it at the my table. Go, my go-to snack every week is a pot of olives, and that's why I am in such great shape. It's a vegetable, <laughs> though, man. That's, uh, I feel the same way because it's like they're the most delicious thing on the earth. Yeah. But they're, it's but they're a vegetable oh, okay. that's bad oh, yeah. for you. What is that? Oh, well, how dare they? No, that's a good. That's a good one. Um, pork scratchings. I'm into pork scratchings. I'm, in, I'm, in I'm into pork scratchings at the moment. Crisps and chocolate at the same time, James. Uh, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> James if you've never is, done it. Try it. It's James is so great. weird. He's like, it was like, was it cheese and onion crisps and a Mars bar at the same time? And Snickers bar. Ugh. No, no, not Mars. Mars can fuck off. It's Snickers. Right. Okay. Marathon. Marathon bar. Marathon. Yes. <laughs> we're going back to the 90s so um, snack wise I think my absolute favourite snack of all time is Jaffa Cakes Ooh. but how do you eat them see the th- well I, I just eat them normally um, I'm not I don't eat layer by layer but I did uh, I, when I was younger I did like removing the sp- I did like removing the sponge eating that and then obviously letting the melt the chocolate melt in your mouth so you're left with the little rubber jelly disc <laughs> but that's if you've got oh, time that's if you've got time in your hands like. but I, I do my yeah, shopping yeah if you don't have to um, talk for a little while <laughs> yeah I do my shopping at, um, at Lidl right and obviously they have all like the off brand stuff it's just the fucking same but with different packaging Dr. Choco um, yeah exactly like things like that and they've got Neo which is their version of an Oreo which actually predates Oreos which is pretty funny their stuff's lovely but, um, do you know what the little, the little non-brand stuff is, is you could I reckon if you did a blind taste test a lot of it you wouldn't tell the difference yeah, yeah, it's really well, it's true. good. It's, they've actually done that on like, mm. some fucking uh, supermarket comparison shows. Yes, yeah, yeah their seen. Twix but, is really um, nice. Yeah, well, it's um, great. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the the Jaffa cakes they do a pack of twenty four for seventy five p. I mean, that is that's a ridiculously low amount of money. Um, but I've gotten to the point now where every week when we go shopping, I buy one of those boxes and eat it as soon as I get home. The whole thing. I mean, that is terrible, isn't it? Yeah. That is also why I have maintained such a shapely figure. <laughs> Jaffa boy. <laughs> uh, right, so crisp and chocolate at the same time. Jaffa cakes. All right, so he says, if you could have an intense carnal conversation with a dead celebrity, who would it be? Um, carnal meaning um, saucy, racy, saucy, sexy. What a, a na- naughty conversation. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good Is that your choice. Answer? Jesus. Hitler. Okay. Hey guys. <laughs> Hitler. <laughs> Nick, how about you? What's yours? 
I'm just going to go normal then. If it's got to be a saucy conversation, I'll go Marilyn Monroe. Good choice. Good choice. I found out a scary yeah. fact about her actually the other day. So she's the same age as our queen. She's dead, Nick. I know she's dead, but obviously if they, she was still alive, she'd be the same age as oh, the right, queen right, of England. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> but she very much isn't. She. No, I know. No, I know. All right, cool. Um, that, the last question there by Terry was a bit shit, but um, Yorkus Rex, he <laughs> says, how can a role-playing game expect meaningful, immersive play without at least 23 unique polearm variants with separate stats for each? <laughs> I think he is making he's making quite a good point there because, yeah, I w- one of my favourite things is in Lamentations of the Flame Princess, it's just you've got small, medi- small medium, and large weapons if you need it. Mm-hmm. There you go, done. You never need more than that. But some players feel like they need it. I mean, look at some of the games we've reviewed on this show. It's just like stupid amounts of detail, things that players are never going to give a fuck about. Yeah. I mean... No, but some do, don't they? Yeah. Like, some people really get bogged down with the details. Be like, oh, my gear is this, because they're all about kind of fashion, in a sense. They'll be like, got the best gear. Uh, You know, I suppose they're building up the picture. You know when you're playing, like, a video game, and and it, it really, realistically, it's the same kind of gab where it's just like small medium large and then there's a very small variance in damage and durability mm. and all this shit whereas in actual fact it's just about fashion how it looks mm. yeah yeah it's just because you want a really specific type of pole yeah. arm you know and it's like <laughs> yeah. in um, in Mythorog for example Varg Vikernes's role playing game oh, yeah. when he spends an inordinate amount of time on the fact that you could have a shield on your arm whilst holding four javelins and uh, and a sword in the other arm and throw javelins with that same arm. And it's like, who cares? All right, I get that it's more realistic, but the more detail you put in, the more the game slows down. Um, and I think it's yeah. quite a difficult like- balance to get. But when you, when you go too ham, you end up with fatal. When you go not enough ham, you end up with... Um, well, I, I can't say what I was about to say. Sorry. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Basically, yes. We agree, Yorkers. Um, Owen yes. Lean. I actually think this is a great question. He says, which musical would you most like to play as a tabletop RPG? And the reason Ooh. I think this is a great question is because I fucking love musicals. Um, which, which, I don't know if you know about me, but that means I think that I am a gay man. Is that right? I think so. I think that's how it works. But yeah, so a musical that you would like to play as an RPG, Nick. Oh shit, house. Uh, uh, only because it's the last thing I've watched, and it'd probably be quite interesting. Hamilton. I haven't seen that yet. Ooh. I really want to. Um, I've heard it's great. Mm. Yeah, very good. Um, James, how about you? Book of Mormon. Ooh. Yeah, I think I think that would be good because it's um, it's quite funny, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, but it's also like what happens in it. You'd be, you'd have to be, you'd either be the, um, uh, what is it, the elder, the elder fucking, what are they called, the Mormons. <laughs> um, you'd even be, sorry, what are those things from Gremlins called? <laughs> no, you'd either be the Mormons or you'd be the um, the the people who are getting turned and like the the villagers, you know, when they go mm. when they're trying to get um, in on it and stuff. Like yeah, Salta Lake City and all this. Shit. Yeah, that would be oh, really good, yeah. man. Okay. Um, I I I think I well in the D and D game, I did do a dungeon based on Phantom of the Opera because that's that was good. So like one of my fucking favorites. That, that was really good. It's gonna be. But that would be a good uh, musical uh, game. The thing about it is, is that was actually already turned into an adventure for Warhammer, believe it or not. Uh. Um, I've got a really fucking good answer, and I know this will be fucking fun, right? There's a musical called Le, Ca- Le Cage à Folle, or The Birdcage, right? It was mm. later made into a film. 
But this, the, the musical, basically what it is, it's about a gay couple, and one of them has a son that he got, you know, when he tried it on with a woman, decided he didn't like it, and uh, yep. he's got a son, right? So the plot of the movie is that the son has met this woman, and they're going to marry, and now the two sets of parents are going to meet. But the gay, one of the gay guys, he doesn't want the the other the girl's parents to know that they're gay because they're like super right wing, right? So mm-hmm. she cross dresses as a woman and pretends to be the son's mum for the whole weekend, and the four <laughs> of them are trying to just keep their parents from noticing, right? And I think yep. if you did that using the maid system, right? You played the son, the <laughs> yes. the son, the wife, and the two gay blokes, and uh, yeah, that would make a fucking great, great um, thing in the musical. It's kind of funny because at the end, the guy that's cross-dressing, he reveals it because he starts singing and he gets so into it that he just flings his wig off and then he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be a good one. That'd be um, good. That would be good. I just can't... I, I just think it would be like... It'd be like kind of kind of mental, but a good one for role-play as well. Chicago's pretty good because it's like... yeah. All these women in prison that are trying to get famous via the murders they did of their husbands, and I think that'll be pretty cool. Just a prison-based yeah, RPG. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, those are my answers. Um, nice. He did. He did also say what um, I can't remember, but he said the converse. He was like, uh, "What RPG would you like to see turned into a musical?" And I think that's bloody stupid. But we've got two <laughs> more questions. We're running a bit long here. But John the Paladin last time he sent us a, like a big list of questions, and we didn't get to two of them. Top three vampires. I'm going Nosferatu, right? Yep. Um, I should have thought about this before the show. Should we do one each then? So it's free. Yeah, let's let's do that. I'm going Nosferatu. I'm going Cassidy from Preacher. Nice. Oh, mate. You motherfucker. Did I take your one? <gasps> that is a good one. <laughs> um, no, you know yeah, what? I'm changing my answer. I'm going Strahd von Zarevich. Yes. But the one from our Ravenloft campaign. Oh, he was the best. Come closer. <laughs> Come within melee range. <laughs> what about Bram Stoker's um... James with the big hair? You had a film, Bram Stoker's Dracula, the film. Oh, yeah, with the, the white, big, Gary the big Oldman white bonnet he had. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's like it. Keanu that Reeves in it. Yeah, that's it. Mm. James, top vampire. Yeah. Uh, the Drac, mate. It's got to be the Drac. The Drac. All right, cool. Eula. No the one Drac. went for Count from Sesame Street, so... Oh, yeah, that's mate. a shame. He's a great vampire. Although oh. you don't actually ever see him sucking anyone's neck out. That's the that, that's the outtakes. Yeah, that's the that's, that's a bit Sesame you don't after see. Dark. It's implied. <laughs> that's Sesame after dark. I like to suck. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Sesame after dark on the streets. I want to suck your blood. <laughs> Stuff it. Sorry. Yeah, top three board games. You I go, what's yours? say you... No, um... What? I've forgotten completely. Oh, um... One I really like... I don't, I'm not much of a board game guy, to tell you the truth. I don't particularly like any board games. But I have been quite enjoying Obama Llama recently. <laughs> okay. This is a, a charade-style party game where nice. yeah. all of the answers rhyme. It's got three different events, but, like, all of the answers rhyme. So let's say, for example, I pick up a card and it's got a celebrity's name on the other side, and it might be Pikachu. And now I have to mime out Pikachu doing a poo. Pikachu. Uh, okay. Yeah, stuff like That's that. And all of them rhyme. And then you, yeah, basically you earn points, get to flip cards and match them. And it's quite good because it's like 
the amount of times where people get you know like super frustrated because they're saying it and people are saying the 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 right phrase for it so they might be they might be going pikachu doing a shit pikachu got diarrhea and it's like yeah. it has to rhyme <laughs> for fuck's sake a rhyme. yeah yeah i like that cool. one it's, it's, it's always fun. a bit bit of a fucking laugh um and to the D board game the original one is really good ah, as well yeah yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean james and i had a good like you know five years playing that fucking board game so nice yeah pretty good yeah, that's when uh, that's where Sean was killer DM, mate. Ooh. Yeah, we it's didn't we didn't realise. <laughs> yeah, we didn't realise at the time that the uh, the DM player relationship was supposed to be, you know, um, that we're telling a story together. My brother would just be like, "I've created a dungeon this week, and I'm gonna fucking kill you." <laughs> yeah. Actually, he hasn't changed well, no a bit, one. has he? Thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, TPK Sean. Yeah. How about you, James? Any that you like? So at the minute, the one that keeps uh, sort of feeding back um, board game-ish is the Munchkin card game because, you know, it's it's good. It's got uh, an expansion for it, which has really sort of changed up the dynamic of it. And so I've also got the Harry Potter version, which I gifted to Layla for her birthday. And the Harry Potter one is actually um, pretty awesome because the levelling in it is you, you become quite OP quite quickly, but as a result, all of the monsters, etc., are also... OP, so it's instantly more difficult than your vanilla Munchkin. I reckon everyone listening to this will probably know what Munchkin is, but have you ever played it, Nick? Not. <laughs> I haven't played Munchkin. It's, no. It's basically Steve like Jackson game. Oh, I know. I know. I know. I remember the artist from. Yeah, I Dragon was going to mention that. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I am going to mention it because um, we were at um, Dragon Meet one year. Nick was fucking pissed out of his mind, and there, there was a bit where. We were waiting for an auction to start, right? And we were bidding on shit. And uh, the Doug Kovacs, the author for Munchkin, was on the stage <laughs> doing a big speech. Of course, everyone cares about who he is. I, I didn't really either, but Nick um, no. didn't know who he was and didn't care. And we were like, that's Doug Kovacs, man. He's done art for DCC and shit like this. And then Nick was like, oh, he think he is. He's done one cartoon and he thinks he can talk for 20 <laughs> fucking minutes. Got like really belligerent because your time Whoops. was being wasted. I know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Doug. I didn't mean it. Doug that was Kovacs the same time when I sat to at this. the front. Yeah, it's true. That's the same time when I sat on that chair at the front of the auction, just <laughs> larging it up for and about also, 20 he was, minutes. He went up to pay for his shit that he'd, he'd, that he'd auctioned, dear listener, and um, he was sitting on a chair because they couldn't get the card machine to work. He's sitting on a chair in front of the whole audience, and he looked like he was about to fall asleep. <laughs> so good. <laughs> and also when, do you remember when he was battling against you in an auction? It's just like, no, oh, Nick, stop you're it. You're not meant to go against your friend. I know, that was ridiculous. My, well, the, my, my drunken brain was thinking, right, well, if we're both doing it, we're going to get it, one of us, <laughs> for the show. Yeah, and you was, actually, I actually found that up. book. I actually found that book, actually, when I moved. Uh, it's in perfect condition. It's the GURPS <laughs> Discworld book, signed by one we of the artists. We should play that, man. It's, it yeah. looks so fucking good. But yeah, Certainly. Um, we, we, we back onto the subject of board games. I can't play Munchkin, and it's specifically because James and Millie are really good at it. One of the yeah. main um, core rules of the thing is arguing with each other over which rules work and how the rules work, and also like trying to get as OP as possible. Hence, Munch, Munchkin is also a term for a min-maxed RPG character. Right, it's fucking horrible to play with people that know what they're doing. It is miserable. <laughs> Oh, but it is, I can I can attest to the fact that he's a good fucking game though. But um, yeah. how about you, Nick? Favorite board game? Oh, it'd have to be the one board game I've played probably the most forever. It always comes out at Christmas since I was a kid, and that's Border Dash, mate. It's a fucking cracker. 
I don't know it. Yeah. Right, so Balderdash is it's, it's really good fun. So uh, you've got a bunch of cards with really weird but genuine names of, for things. Mm. Um, and basically, one person will pull the card and they'll read it out. Um, and uh, As an example, I don't know, Mumble Crumpet. And then everybody else has to write down what they think a Mumble Crumpet is. And then that person reads it out, and then every, the rest of the party has to basically decide which one's the real one and which one's made up. And it's mm. as easy as that. So, you, so as, as long as you can make up weird shit for funny names, you're you're have a laugh. That sounds fucking good, man. I like I, I, I like party You'd games. You'd love it, Harrison. You yeah, I love totally it. would. I, I would. It's like fictionary, isn't it? We're, we're playable. Oh, that's, cool. that's where it come from, I think. Yeah, we're we're play uh, yeah. we're playable. It's come out in 1984. We'll play it uh, this Christmas, maybe, because you'll love it, mate. It's a really really funny game. Oh. Actually, no, please. I Actually, just remembered. Please. I just remember one that we fucking uh, that I played. And look, I know this isn't doing much for my nerd cred, right? Because I don't really like board games. But the um, <laughs> there's one that we played. We went. My my wife, she loves this fucking place um, in Croydon Board Game Cafe because it means you don't have uh, to buy yeah. the board games. You just go have a drink and play them, right? And we found this one called What Do You Meme? And obviously, being uh, being yeah. quite the meme lord, um, this yeah. was really, really good. So you put a picture down, and it's kind of like Cards Against Humanity, but with meme humor, right? So I've played you put it, a yeah, picture a down, one. and it's one of the famous meme templates. And then you have to put like you have to put like um, a card down, and then somebody decides which one's the funniest. And it'd be like, say for example, you know that there's the one that's like fucking there's a button with nut written on it, and the hand <laughs> going towards it, right? And it's like yeah. somebody put that, and uh, it was fucking Ryan put down when your mum calls you, and it's like, it's like <gasps> stuff like this. Like oh. it does get a little bit gross, and it is crude, a bit like Cards Against so it's Humanity. Like cards but Against f- Humanity, but for memes. Yeah, yeah. and but I kind of find that it it was kind of inherently a bit slightly more funnier and i know i've talked about i I don't think cards against humanity is real actually that funny but this one's despite what i just said quite a bit less crude and it's it's pretty Mm -hmm. funny Um, but yeah that was a pretty good one i enjoyed the fuck out of it Mm. all right uh that is it for questions then should we do it now there is another one i think it's worth worth asking oh go on uh it's from uh manoa o behave yep (laughs) said what type of pumpkin is james a nice well, one. Can you see why I didn't include that in the plan? I did see that one. I just, I, I, I thought better you of just it. You just allowed it. I allowed it right up. Sorry. What happened to us uh, asking every single question we ever got asked, eh? Yeah, well, the, the trouble is, James, that's what happens when you reach the top, okay? We got too famous and we've sold out. <laughs> it used to be about the music, man. Yeah, man. All right, let's do an outro. Hey, buddy, what you nibbling on? Snacks, buddy. Snacks, buddy. Nigga, what you eating on? Snacks, nibble. Snacks, nibble. Nigga, what you eating on? Snacks, nibble. So I just want to uh, I just want to say right that you you fucking listeners need to buck your ideas up right because you've been getting this for free for five fucking years go to Patreon and donate um, to the three TRPG podcast and if you do if you do you're allowed to continue listening if not delete yeah. the phone okay <laughs> delete you're done. It. you're done delete done now delete um, I also wanted to just mention that we've got a Discord. I don't know how to get to Discord. I don't know if it works, but I think if you search for it, you can find it. Is that right, lads? Uh, yes, yes. Um, I will post invites to everything as well. Yeah, we do have it. We've had a Discord for years, actually, but Harrison only just realised. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving it. It's really great. It's like a it lot of the uh, a lot of the listeners are in there. We used to yeah. talk shit, and uh, last night yeah, I was... they all talk shit to each other. Yeah, yeah. And I I just realised 
like after about three years that it's there so so now it's relevant but yeah last night i was playing some caves of cud a road like game and uh was chatting to a couple of the listeners while I was streaming that. It was quite, it was quite nice, fun. Mate. Nice, so mate. yeah, get down there. And of course, we've got products on Drive Through RPG. But that's uh, if you want to contact and us. And you mentioned earlier. Oh yeah. Sorry, you got a plug. Ace. All right. Yes, uh, I did mention I was going to mention this mention. So get ready because here <laughs> comes the mention. Um, mega no, amazing no. Wait a minute. So okay, right. Here's what he wants me to say. Here's the copy. This is Ace B. Pretend I'm Ace B right now. He says, Hertfordshire Board Games Club started as a local board games club and collection of friendly nerds. Since the COVID lockdowns, we have members from all of the UK and Europe. We do annual fundraising for Mind Mental Health Charity, and this year there are over twenty-two. Uh, there are over two point five k pounds, including some cool guys called Three T RPG Publishing, worth of prizes to be spit split amongst raffle winners. Um, all raffle entrances and donations will go directly to Mind, and people can find details by entering at hartfordshireboardgamers.co.uk to or find on Facebook. So yes, go and do that because you can enter a raffle, win some cool prizes, including our products that we are gonna um, so hopefully figure out how to send this guy a code. And it's for <laughs> Mind, a mental health yes. charity, right? Very for good. men, I think. Yeah. And you know, the biggest killer of men over twenty-one, uh, twenty-one and around twenty-one, isn't ghosts. I thought it. Oh, what? No, it's not ghosts, right? It's D and D. Rage quitting. No, no, it's quite more, a lot more serious for that. So I think this is a lovely cause and a good yeah, thing. No, you're so absolutely right. If our so-called products can help, that would be good. <laughs> That's it, isn't it? That is it, mate. That is it. I just don't want to let you two go. No. I feel that. <laughs> I just feel the crushing loneliness. That's why I've been streaming recently. <laughs> I want to jump on your stream this weekend. Yes, please do. Um, it would be really, really fun to have you along and hopefully 100%. you can actually help because yes, I've mate. been doing really badly. And I cannot wait for what's coming up next on that, which I don't want to give away in case you haven't told anyone yet. No, I have. I've mentioned it. Well, doing okay. the Resi 2 remake. Yes, my favourite yeah, one. Yeah. It's going to be a nice. lot of fun. I'm so looking forward to that one because it's one I'm actually sort of all right at. Yeah. Um, and uh, Resi 1 is so, so annoying. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, all right. Well, I have been Harrison Hunt. I've been Nick Lambslice. And I've been James Pumpkin. And just remember <laughs> that D20s are cool, but 20Ds, now that is a good time. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs>